You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Welcome back, everybody. The Black Eagles podcast is returning yet again with episode 232. I am, of course, Sinan Shorty, live from New York City. The summer is upon us, which means everything that it usually does for us special touch fans. Lots of fun transfer rumors. The season's over. In this case, that's a good thing. Uh, and so I, I listed this last episode as... Uh, the season review part one, and that was very intentional because I thought it was super important that we get the final word, part two of our senior senior <laughs> senior <laughs> like a senior year, no, uh, of our season review with the one and only, the prodigal co-host, if you will, Conversant, everybody. Hey! <laughs> the OG team reunited. That's right. Uh, and we got it so good. your theme song is back finally. It's been on a hiatus. Uh, oh, I intentionally yeah. like save it so that it like has that meaning. Good, um, good. I, I, I totally. Uh, I, 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 I was, I was gonna say I'd, uh, I'd file a copyright complaint, but it, you made <laughs> it, so I can't even do that. <laughs> no, but I'm still, you know, that's. That's the code of the of the podcast, man. That's that's your entrance music. You can't take that for someone. That's wrong. It's a human rights violation. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wonder if there's anyone who listens to the podcast who's picked up on what the melody is originally from. I, I you know, we're not gonna say it obviously, but I I wonder if people uh, no. We have a couple Belgian followers. I I can tell from our stats. Uh, more yeah. than a couple, like a few. A handful, even so. Yeah, someone maybe. should at, at the very least, you know. I don't, I don't know. I think it's still a little obscure, but yeah, you never know. It, is it just in Belgium, or was it like European wide? Um, no, nah, it was definitely a Belgian movie in the eighties. Um, Ooh, you're giving spoilers. Whoa, you're getting close uh, here. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That should be like a trivia. If anyone guesses that, we should like get them a jersey. You know? <laughs> like that should be. <laughs> I mean, if they can find that. Only that's one though. First come, first serve. They, that, that definitely <laughs> deserves something, yeah. Um, but so yeah, it's great to have Khan back. Finally. Um, Thank you for having me back. I feel like maybe this season was cursed because we didn't we didn't have you on much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, well, I, I don't think it had anything. That's to do not with a me, good. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, what that is, is though is a good like intro to what we we'll probably have to talk about first, of course, which is reviewing this 2021-2022 season, like two years for like humanity to forget. Like much of it was spent locked in our homes, uh, fearing for our lives with a pandemic hanging over our heads. Uh, just a terrible year all around. So it's it's fair enough. We should we should all just forget it. Strike that one from the record. 
<laughs> Throw that in the garbage. But real quickly, before we do that, like, do you have any parting thoughts on the season, Sean? I, I know you've heard uh, our last couple episodes, like with Aaron last week. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm so curious to hear, like, what your thoughts yeah. are. Found myself agreeing a lot with Aaron. Actually, um, there's one thing I did notice that you guys didn't really talk about, and I rem- when you guys were talking about this uh, this graphic that was put out, you know, with the points won and lost because of referee mistakes and stuff like that. Of course, you know, stuff like that is put out largely to stir up the pot a little bit. Yeah. But like. If you even look at it like the, 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 the just it wasn't even put out by a Bishiktesh account. I think no. it was uh, like a, it was like a stat account, right? Yeah, something like that. Um, and like the difference, like every team had like you know the the, the amount of one points versus lost points was c- kind of balanced. And then you had Bishiktesh with like seventeen lost and four one or something, so minus thirteen. No, um, I actually calculated that and I like added and took away the things like based on uh, that, and we would have ended in second. We would have had a second place yeah, finish. But the the most important part which I find that football fans and just in general gets overlooked a lot in, in football is the mental aspect of the game and the impact that mm-hmm referee mistakes and you know, it's just when you start dropping points left and right whether it's you know you guys mentioned it that uh, that a demi score match I knew you I points. thought you would agree with us on that I really did uh, yeah it definitely was because it was a breaking point mentally for the team you could see it that something in the team after that snapped like I don't know what it was definitely something for Sergen where he probably kind of checked out at that point uh, and, and, and a big part of the team definitely had a moment where it was like well I don't know what it is maybe it's something like well it doesn't matter what we do we're gonna they're gonna you know if they want us to lose points we'll lose points or whatever whether it's justified or not that that that, it, it, that you cannot deny that it has a profound impact on the the mental state of the team, um, and, and, it, and you yeah, s- yeah. It, it was like a Murphy's that, Law thing, right? Because like with the injuries yeah. and with like you, you know all the new guys who like never really got the chance to come in and play together, and like and then on top of it, so you're like trying to overcome all these hurdles, and like like frankly, let's let's be real also. All of the teams that used to be walkovers, like the, the rest of the league has improved, while us bigger teams have failed because of financial mm. debt and mismanagement. So like, with all of these things considered, on top of it, you have these referees just, like you said, yeah. just consistently, right? Like, at some at some point, there's, a, there's the feather on the camel's back, right? Like, I, I find, yeah. yeah, I'm fully with you on that. It, and it's, it's also, I remember very vividly that, I think I even said it at some point, but I'm thinking at least, but also I'm sure I said in one of our group chats that I don't understand we're, we're missing like 10 players to injury and still uh, and we were at that point like eight or so points behind Trabzonspor or something like it, I think it was the match against Trabzonspor that kind of did it for me because we were already kind of out of the race 
But yeah. okay, if, if we beat them at home, it would have been like, okay, we're like, you know, they're not running away too far. We keep them in, in, in our in our sights. It was 1-1, and then there was this position, which was a clear stonewall penalty on Rashid Ghazal. Even uh, our, our mutual friend Jakub, I remember him tweeting at the time when it happened. That should have been a penalty for Besiktas. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, at the end of the match, and in, in, in at a time, they win it. They kind of steal it. We were protesting for a penalty in the box for a fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they, they counter and they score. Um, I don't think that was a penalty. But certainly around the 77th minute, Rashid Gazal was brought down in the box. was always a penalty, 100%. Um, with, the far, with far being a thing... It's unforgivable that something like that doesn't get reviewed and doesn't get uh, that the penalty doesn't get given there. That was also an important point for our season if we beat Trabzonspor there, because Trabzonspor was at that point already dominantly ahead of the competition at the, at the top of the table. Beating a team that's doing really well is also a good mental boost. So there were definitely moments, you know, after the Adana Demirspor match where we could have turned the season around with a confidence booster the Trabzonspor match was definitely a big moment there where we I think deserved it because I mean you know it was 1-1 I think we went down 1-0 in the game I don't remember exactly but I think we went down a goal we made it we pulled it level and then uh, we we should have had a penalty and that could have been a turning point in the season but that's one of those things where I think it's it, it creeps into players' minds when you have that Adana Demi support match where you're 3-0 ahead. Mm-hmm. They come back to 2-3 through to a free kick. You know, that can happen. But that it, was also illegitimate. I don't know if you recall. Um, yeah, the, the free kick might have been... But I don't remember exactly. But it doesn't matter. You, at the end of the day, a 3-0, you shouldn't be giving it away. What it was, and, was there should have been... It was the offsides that they... Remember, they had just... The week prior disqualified a goal for us because there was like mm. a guy who was not in front of the path of the goal uh, i remember it was like montero right, i think right Hatai. and then and then the following week and against Trabzon, they, they Hatai, gave them that goal and the dude was literally standing in no, front it, like it, it was, was th- it was in hatai where we were losing one nil and mehmet topal of all people scored a back heel goal that's right and, yes and the goal got this yes. from montero being in the path of the of the shot which he wasn't and it's just been those types of things throughout the season. So we had that. Then we had the Trabzon match. We had the Adana Demirspor match with that third goal that should never in any, in any with far, never ever ever should have stood. That is so easy to disallow. But the f- of a ref, pardon my French, just w- you know blew the whistle so that VAR couldn't even do anything. I don't know if VAR would have done anything, but that P- Ali Palabiuk just blew his whistle. Yeah. So that he, even if they were talking to him in his ear, as soon as he blows that whistle, it's over. Yeah. And no. um, and, and just and, one last, I want to like mention because we're kind of in the conspiracy. I should have like a conspiracy. I want like the X Files well, music for conspiracy well, session. Conspiracy. Well, but, but here's my. But my thought here, what I wanted to add was. All season long, people were like, "Oh, this is like the uh, the Erdogan year, right?" It's his last year. He was gonna, he wants his team to win, and I was like, "Come on!" And the main reason I thought that was absolutely a lie was because it was like his last year. Yeah, right. You know, that's, we always I mean, say that. Everyone I, I, says I don't, that. I don't want to say that. I don't. I don't want to discredit Trabzon's title 
Uh, I think Trapezo Sport at the end of the day, they had a very weak ending to the season, uh, contrary to Abdullah Avci's uh, post-season uh, speech where he kind of, you know, puffed out his chest and was like, oh, we, we end, ended the season comfortably. I'm sorry, dude, you had seven games, you won one. Yo, Fenair fans, like, they actually, their, their heart was actually broken, remember? <laughs> like, with like three or four I mean, weeks left was, because of a result. Was, it was the perfect ending because you gave them hope and then exactly. you still, you know, <laughs> that that was good. But uh, no, Trabzonspor definitely did not end strongly. I mean, they also uh, lost out in the semifinals of the cup to Kayserispor. Um, Trabzonspor definitely towards the end of the season um, unraveled a little bit, but not 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 to the extreme extent where they were just on a complete downslide, losing games. But you know, one win in seven is not impressive at all. Um, but at the end of the day, they did have a good season, and I, I do think they are deserved champions. Uh, but of course, you know, like I said, with with all of that happening, if we what what if we would have beaten them at home? Could we maybe have turned the season around a little bit? One I, more I, asterisk, by the way. I just want to add. I I really I think you almost undersold like that that loss to Kaiseri and like not winning the double. Right, this was their like big magical season, you know what I'm saying? Like you look yeah. like that that like in history that'll go down as like a serious L, I think, you know, because like this truly was supposed to be like like that this like tide right, that would like show that this is like a force to be reckoned with. And really they they kind of petered out. Like to such I mean, an extent. Let's be honest. Um, unfortunately in Turkey the Turkish Cup doesn't get taken too serious uh, by the the fandom and all that, which I think is a shame because I always think that uh, I enjoy. It. I enjoy. It. I, I, I think it's more. I, I would. My counter to you though is, it's not considered such a great feat for the most part until you have a side mm. that's winning the title and it's their chance to like claim the double, which is yeah. you know I think that's always like kind of like it's like the exclamation point. You know what I mean for a, for a title, and it's mm -hmm. it's it's almost. I don't want to say it's rare. I bet it's happened quite a bit, frankly, with, with the. Uh, well, actually, I mean, if you think about it, uh, Galatasaray and Besiktas have pulled it off a few times. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I don't know. I, I think if you go back, like apart from Besiktas and Galatasaray, I don't think you have a single team that's done it in in forty years. I know Fener has if you, had Because if success. you look back, <laughs> Fener has won the cup once in like 38 years or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, and I mean, and Trabzon has won one title in that same amount of time. Exactly. So it's only Besiktas and Galatasaray who've done the double a few times. Um, carrying so carrying the weight, man. Oh, It's definitely no small feat. Uh, but to circle back and to come com complete full circle, what I was saying is... Uh, that the, the mental impact on the team has been that you cannot underestimate the, the, the points lost because of that as well. So you have those, you know, referee mistakes in, you know, the Trabzon game, in the Hatay game, in the Adana Demirspor game, and we'll, we'll call them mistakes, right? We'll not, we'll not go into the X-Files realm, we'll, <laughs> we'll call them mistakes. But all these mistakes stacked up in a very short amount of time and that, that was all in the first, I don't know, 12, 13 games of the season. And it was all in, in rapid, quick succession. Because you, you and Aaron mentioned that we actually started off the season well and impressive with good football. And then, of course, around the time that the Champions League started, we started getting a lot of injuries. Mm -hmm. 
but also around that time we had that Dana Demirspor match. So the injuries, of course, had a big impact, but also the, the, the mistakes by the refs cost us a lot of points, and also it caused um, a domino effect where the mental state of the team also deteriorated, and because of that we also dropped a lot of points uh, on top of it. So our season kind of spiraled out of control there, and that's why you know, when you guys said that, that a Demirspor match was definitely the turning point, it, it certainly was. And not just because of the injuries, not just because of the referee mistakes, but most importantly, the the mental deterioration of the team. And that is something that is very difficult to come back from. And that's also why I think Sergen, because people said, well, Sergen, you know, he shouldn't have continued, you know, he lost his passion, blah, blah, blah. I think Sergen still started the season motivated to do well in the Champions League, to... Uh, defend the title and all that but at a certain point I think a coach knows when when the train is so derailed that it's impossible for you to get it back on track and yeah. you need a shock effect to, to change anything I'm sorry for the background noise, by the way. I'm living in a uh, currently in an industrial area, so you might no, hear some my machines in the background. Um, um, well, I you know, honestly, I'm, I'm I fully agree, and I think we talked about like the feather on the camel's back. I mean, it's really like a Murphy's Law thing, right? There's like anything that can go wrong will, like it. Yeah. I said this last week, but it's it's this is the one fact that needs to be underscored the most. When we were down 14 men nine starters at this like mm. that's not that's like a curse <laughs> that's like a yeah. disney I, I, disney I mean, movie saw, level curse <laughs> i saw an ajax fan the other day uh when it was a moroccan ajax fan that was talking about Besiktas because of how bad we played against ajax supposedly and i i you know i thought i thought I, I couldn't i couldn't you know i couldn't keep my mouth shut i said dude do do some research we missed like 10 players or something against you guys shut the yeah. up yes. you know you don't know what the fuck you're talking about and still i mean if you remember we lost two two nil in ajax yeah. right and we sh and and we got a, a completely legitimate goal disallowed and stuff like that and against our b team so don't you know don't talk b slash c be a little yeah. you know yeah um, yeah, exactly. B slash C. Uh, I mean, Kenan was our striker for heaven's sake. Exactly. I think we had uh, like Berkai Vardar coming in, right? Like that was a that was a tough stretch, man. <laughs> that was a really. It tough was. I mean, it was. We we all had such high hopes for this season, and especially the Champions League campaign. We put together such on paper, like Aaron said, uh, said such a good team, and yeah. then uh, it was a, a big disappointment, of course. Uh, but the worst thing to me of all was. Even when we, when it was clear that our season was over, we were not going to play a role in the championship race anymore. The referee mistakes, I will keep calling it, that they kept pound, you know, compounding, and yeah. that's where I thought to myself, and I think I said this, and this is what I was going to say earlier, but I caught, you know, but I went on a tangent again, but why are they kicking us while we're down like what is the point like at the end of the season now we have this this bracket of points lost points won by the referees right and we have minus 17 points lost and it's like why like what's the point like what are you gaining by doing this like 
is is there a reason? I'm, I'm guessing money. Someone has I, to pay I, for that. Is, <laughs> is somebody is somebody putting a lot of money on Besiktas losing or something? Like maybe we should be checking uh, the the Asian gambling market. It's and, the Al Rayyan, dude. The Al Rayyan conspiracy. The guys yeah, who I, keeps taking our players. They were like the guys stole Abubakar like and tried to ruin our season. I'll, They're I'll back. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. Al Nasser, but, sorry, Al Nasser. Or Al Nasser, right. Well, I mean... Because remember, you know, they have blue and yellow are their team colors, and supposedly, like, their owner <laughs> tweeted... Like, this was a big conspiracy, that, like, their owner tweeted out, like, a pro Fenner tweet at some point, well, and so it was I'll, like... I'll give, you, I'll give you my new big uh, uh, conspiracy now. Akun just bought Hull City... Uh, with with Ali Koch's money or something, so that they can now, so they can now buy all the trash from Fenerbahce. <laughs> oh my god! Look, look, they're paying five million euros for, for Ozan, Ozan Tufan, which is oh, after he flapped already yeah. for a lesser team. Yeah, oh, come on, come on, five million for Ozan. Dude, you can get like, like they, they Fener would have. <laughs> Hey, damn! Teach him so they get rid of his wages because he earns like two million a year. Like they should be paying them for 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 taking him, and they're yeah. paying almost five million euros. And like I'm not gonna say anything about Al Hayer because I think that somebody that Fenerbahce should have gotten back and gotten something out of because he did really well in Ukraine. But <laughs> I, I really don't understand this. Like why is Akun play paying? Uh, Almost five million euros for 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 Ozan Tufan, and we all know what Ozan Tufan is capable of. But we also know what like how theoretically, much, like on a good it, day. Yeah, what it, we also know how useless and how lazy he is, and he showed that last season in England where they sent him back, they terminated his loan because of how fat and sh and useless he is. And now you're gonna tell me that Hull City is paying five million euros for that useless piece? Come on, no man. Way. get no the way. out of here. This is <laughs> Echtutashkiran on steroids. Alright, but enough yeah, with yeah, no. theories. But if you want you know if you wanna go uh, down that rabbit hole, I'll go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> well and so I didn't even cap it up, so I was like there's no way because like Erdogan there's no way he's even actually gone, and like now it's like, oh wait, this might really be the end. So he did get his like his favorite team that title one, one mean, left, you know, just in time. The, the, the no, I don't know. Trabzon Sport isn't even his favorite team, man. The only thing is that it's a really big um, base vote. of his voters or something. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like they get a lot of votes there, but even even there. If Isn't he like the, from there? He's, he's from Rize originally. He's born yeah. in Rize, but which he is like that region, right? You're either a Rize or a, or a Trabzon fan. That's like I mean, a big you know, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like the the Bursabishikdesh thing where Rize yeah, has exactly. a lot of resentment for Trabzonspor and Tra I mean, I think Trabzon care a little bit more about Bursa than we do. Uh, you know, Bursa are completely irrelevant, of course. You know, useless yeah. pieces that are now in the third division and good riddance. Um, yeah. At but, least there's like a regional thing for them, right? They're, they're like vying for something. For us, it's know. like I don't even know how this started. <laughs> These little I know how it started. Jackals. And, uh, I know. I do too. They're, they're, they're a bunch totally. of idiots. I mean, uh, are they gonna hate Ankara Gijou now? Because Ankara Gijou got them relegated, bro. They 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 lost. 
The champions of the second division lost on the last match day and Bursaspor suddenly relegated. Hmm, shall we start with uh, blood feud with them now? Oh, Bursa, you're useless. Like, I'm not, I mean, not, not, not so much the club. I think the club, Bursaspor, has done a lot of good things for Turkish football. Like, they have a great youth academy. A lot of good, talented players have come out of that club over the years. But those fans, man, fucking toxic pieces of shit. And, I mean... Turkish fans in general are toxic, toxic piece of shit. And something you, you and Aaron talked about last week as well. Like just the yeah. hatred that players get. Like you have a striker like Batshuayi this past season. Like he's he's been our striker. He's been the our real only option up front basically the entire season. And, and you're how many times like has half he time. got booed and stuff like that? Like are you mental? Like you're paying it. three million euros a year for this guy, regardless of whether he does well or not. Like you have to pay him. He and credit to him, like despite the fact that he he missed so many chances, but he kept trying. And his 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 morale <laughs> will probably have sank down his shoes completely. But until the very last moment, he he kept he kept working and he kept going for it. I know. And, this, and, and like, like how like how you how, many, how you can you really blame a dude when he hits the post like twelve times in a season? I mean, I mean, come on. You know, I feel so bad. I felt so bad he, for the dude. He had he had a. He definitely had a Murphy's Law season for him. Dude, like, I uh, mean, and he was like, he worked his buns off, man. <laughs> he did. <laughs> be kind of and, corny, and, and, and you know what? Like, he, like so many experts have said this, have come out and said this season that Bachuai is one of the best strikers in the league, and have, have like you know even like people like Burak Yilmaz have said like he, you know he's 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 done well and he's a good player. And he is. He just didn't, you know. It just wasn't a good season for him in the uh, in front of goal. But yeah, like, why do you boo him? And um, our fans do this like we, every season. Every season, it feels like even in a good season, it feels like they have this the scapegoat that has to get abused. And yeah. I agreed with it when it when it came to Tolga because Senovinish had an unhealthy obsession with Tolga and. It was time for the fans to send a message to Shenol that it okay enough is enough. So that's the one instance where I personally think that you know at a certain point like Tolga cost us so much, and at a certain point Shenol was just turning so much of a blind eye towards it that the fans had to do something and had to you know make it clear that they weren't happy with him and that it was time for someone else to take over the role between the sticks, but. Other than Tolga, how many players have gotten booed by the fandom over the years? Like even like look at Kyle Laren, and you all know I'm not a I'm not a Laren fan, but like why boo him? Like what's the point? Uh, it's, like it's just not productive, you know. Like it's yeah, it's not, it's not, and 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 that's something the fans the fans need to realize. Okay, you know you're in the stand, you're paying for your ticket, you're entitled to out your frustration. But at the end of the day, the, the thing you're there for is supporting the team. And as long as we've got something to play for, you need to try and be positive and try to get them. Like, it's your job as a fan. Fa like, you know, our fans are so proud like uh, of our fandom. Like, our fans are the best, we're the greatest, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you're the greatest fandom, which I don't think we are, then, kind of like we barely filled the stadium like until the very 
Yeah, I don't even well, know how we managed not, to do it in the that, end. That, that's, that's, I'm gonna leave that in between. That's not neither here or there. But I think you know, if you if you want to make the argument that we have some of the best fans in the world, I think fans like best fans support their teams through thick and thin. Yeah. And I think we've uh, we've kind of evolved in a spoiled crowd lately, where. Uh, Back when I started supporting Besiktas in, in you know the late '90s, early 2000s, like our our stadium was always full, uh, winning or losing, and it was it was more the the, the mentality seemed different. Like um, people were there through thick and thin, and as you know, football evolved into modern football today, I guess, and our fandom kind of changed a little bit. Got you know younger people. You know, and they have different expectations. And I've spoken to, the, to these people, and when you look at them, like we have a, a common uh, acquaintance, you know, that I've mentioned many times. Like, I don't get why you're a Bishkish fan. Like, you, you're, you're a Galatasaray fan. Like, your mentality is, is, is just that of a Galatasaray fan. And I've seen this a lot in younger fans as they, they support Bishkish, but pr- the only reason they support Bishkish probably is because their, their dad or something yeah. supported Bishkish. So they, they inherited that. But all they do is hate on the club because Bishkish doesn't have that win across, uh, you know, like, Bishkish aren't and will never be a, a club that will go will, will will murder almost to be successful like they like business is you know at its core a team that represents honor and tradition and not a team that will win in spite of anything sacrificing its morals and all of that and Bistich, if if, if Bistich, in in principle if Vistich can't win the right way they don't want to win that's that should be the mentality of of the fans and that's what the club has stood for but our our, our younger fans don't get that they just want to win they only care about winning they only care about having the best players and winning and being able to take their dicks out of their pants, put them on the table and say, look, I've got the biggest sausage in the house. And that's not what it's about. Yeah. It's and not- I have to say also, there's another aspect, as we talk about like modern football, I think a lot of our fans live in places where there are local clubs that they feel like they're competing mm. with us, you know? And so there's this kind of almost small club mentality where it's like, you know, they see, a lot of their friends locally probably default to like a Manchester United or whatever and like these huge budgets. And so they look up to the moves that like Galatasaray tries to make because it's these sort of big name superficial moves which kind of mimic the stuff that they're seeing in that regard. And so that, it's like they're not, they're, they don't know how to be a fan of a club like Besiktas. Like we're not going to be, we're never going to be Manchester City or Manchester United or Liverpool, you know, like we're, we're never going to have that kind of Certainly budget. Certainly not in this economy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know that's what I'm saying? Like we're never going to, and even otherwise, right? We're just not going to ever compete with those clubs. No. We could maybe sneak in, you know, some, some, some surprising victories in Europe as we've seen in the past, but like, come on, let's, let's just be realistic about uh, the kind of budget we're gonna have and the kind of savviness we need to like to, back, to back actually. Back when I was a kid, I remember we were talking about the potential of Turkish football and that the Turkish clubs could grow out to be competitive in Europe and stuff like that. We were that so naive, you know. Uh, but I mean, in theory, you know, 
It should be possible, but we theory, know about management in Turkey. In, well, it's not even management. It's just Corruption. like if, if if the economy was 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 decent and all that. Like, like you know. I don't know, dude. Like, look at like at our height when we thought we were mm. capable of doing anything. Look, we, we gave the keys to the car to this guy like Demiroden, and he literally just drove us over a cliff, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there there is a a systemic yeah. problem, which is like who we trust with the keys. <laughs> yeah, that, but I I think the moment where we Bishtaj then could have could have transcended into being a more competitive club in Europe was you know a couple of years ago but that was right around the time that uh, that the economy started tanking no and, doubt yeah yeah no doubt politics and, definitely played and of course role. you know Orman Orman did a lot of stuff wrong but at the end of the day it doesn't matter Orman or, or Ahmed Nukchebi like anyone like it's the mountain like the demi mountain you basically need to be a billionaire like Ali Koch to be able to do anything in this economy and even and all these like under the table deals and stuff right and even Ali Koch, look, like, what has he accomplished since he's been president of Fenerbahce? Like, I mean, yeah, he keeps buying lots of players every wow. season, and he keeps spending a shit ton of money, but so far he's got nothing to show for it. And, uh, you know, you can spend as much money as you want, but if your policies are garbage, then you're not going to achieve anything. Like, if, if your big brain move is bring in a 32-year-old Mesut Özil who's been over the hill for uh, for four years then yeah who was like two years that was like withdrawn from from the sport yeah, yeah. It, it didn't go so well um, no. but you know <laughs> maybe maybe they'll get it right this time maybe we see <laughs> They've definitely changed their coach despite a successful... Like, what I said going into our match against Fenner was that they were... And I even after was that we actually had a lot to hang our hats on because we were the better side. And that was the best team in Turkey at that point. They had the best streak going, you know. Um, they had yeah. won like eight in a row or something. Mm, well, yeah. Trabzon was faltering. Where that, like, like, they had come... Well, we kind of derailed any hopes they had. Anyway. But, yeah, but like... At that point, I think you know their hope was kind of out of the window anyway. But um, like, you see this, uh, you see this often enough. Where when you don't really have anything to play for, the pressure's off, and then it's easy to win games. And that's what happened to Fenner here. And you know, as soon as they started yeah, like yeah. even getting a little bit close to Travels on Sport, they dropped points. And the same thing happened last season. You know, with the with Emre Belozol, like everyone was 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 oh Emre's doing a great job and blah blah blah. But then as soon as they got within striking distance of us, what happens? They shit the bed, and that's what happened now. And that's the thing. Again, coming back to the whole mental aspect of the game. Look, when there's no pressure, and your team is is doing okay, like the hardest part in football is 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 the mental aspect of the game. Like, there's nothing harder. You can be a mediocre team, but if you've got a really good confidence level in the team, then you can do and beat anyone. Uh You can have the best squad, but if your your players are all down here with their confidence and they have no conviction, you're not going to win. I mean, Konya was a great example. Konya scored, like, for three yeah. quarters of the season. For the first three quarters of the season. At some point, they were in first, right? Like, early on. Like, they mm-hmm. came out and they just, like, earned up a bunch of confidence and, and you know, yeah. credit, right, with their play. And it's just, like, of course, you know, it's not carried just, through. It's, it's not just confidence. Far. It's also coaching, like, like all credit to Ilham Palot. Yeah. But, like, 
you know, look at this. That Konya is a great example. Like they were the only real rivals, like realistically, for Trabzonspor this season, and they they got they bought out of the title race at you know, couple, you know way before the end of the season. But that that that's that's normal. But like you said, you know, that's a mediocre team that hits Over, above yeah, their weight, yeah, exactly. and and we are we were, we had a really good squad and we completely underperformed. Konya are had a mediocre squad, overperformed, had their own adversity, of course, um, and then tra- Fenerbahce, Fenerbahce squad this season. Eh, I mean, they're they're not like their 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 squad is not that good. Honestly, opinion. it's the, the the worst part about this season is that with how poor Fener and Galatasaray were this mm. year. This should have been our year, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and even if you look in the big picture, Trebzon, right? Like, they had a good squad all in all, but like yeah. on paper, we had one of the best squads we sh- well, we've ever seen. I, I, know, I, I, I'm I, still shocked that it was with, it went so poorly. With how they ended their season and with Abdullah Afci, if there was a serious contender for the title next to Trabzonspor, then in all likelihood that team would have won the title because Trabzonspor probably would have faltered. Um, but nobody was able to be as consistent as Trabzonspor, and at the end of the day, they did have a, a, a very decent point tally, and all credit to them. But of course, for us, um, I'm not going to look at Trabzonspor. I'm just going to look at us right now. We had a lot of adversity with the injuries, the referee mistakes, and then of course the the mental uh, deterioration of the team as a result of that. And that's just what what cost us the season but I think it's important as, as a fan as well for your own mental well-being is you need to be able to accept that like yeah, you need to be able to go, go. In, in the middle of the season when you realize this is happening you just need to you just need to be able to okay it's not gonna happen this season it's yeah. not our season and that's football you can't win it every season there's only one Bayern Munchen <laughs> <laughs> and, you right. know, and do you even want to be Bayern München? Because let's it be honest, would be boring, right? Did you, did you see their their title celebration? I, I think it was Schalke or something who, who promoted in the Bundesliga, and they were they were celebrating like crazy. Uh, I, I, I don't remember if it was Schalke or it was Hamburg, but one of their fan bases at least, like they were celebrating like crazy. And the, and the president of Bayern München came out and was like, "Oh, what are they doing there? Like they won, they they are acting like they won the Champions League or something." And and the president. <laughs> That the club said, "Well, what about you? You're acting like you lost the title because of their, because of their celebration being so, you know, because you know, of course, there was a giant cloud hanging over their title, their championship celebration with Lewandowski trying to force his way out. But <laughs> you know, like for Bayern, when you win it ten times in a row, it's like uh, I was talking about on Twitter about this the other a few days ago. It's like um, with with." Uh, with Nadim, the Anchorage fan, you know, because when they lost uh, the, the the Europa League final, I said, well, you know, I mean, you need to cherish these moments. Like, losing can be good. It might, of course, we all want to see our clubs do well and win, but you need to be able to know what disappointment is like. There's no to high without the low. To, to appreciate, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and for 
Bayern München fans, of course, you know, their, their annual uh, disappointment is getting booted out of the Champions League by a team they probably should be beating. But apart from that, they have very little disappointment. Like, they just win every game in the Bundesliga. And, you know, like, it, it at a certain point, you stop appreciating how lucky you are as a fan to be able to witness these types of teams. And I last season, I was very aware of how special our season was. And I cherished every single moment. I think I even said on the podcast, like, guys, you have to. These, these, these are the, the moments that we live for as fans. Like, cherish them. And, and, yeah. and you need to be able to get positivity out of that. And when you have a season like this season, then you need to be able to look back. It's like, well, you know. Okay, this season, but next season maybe we'll be better, and we always have last season. That's how you have to look at things. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just gonna go crazy, and you're gonna lose. <laughs> you're just gonna lose your marbles. Yeah, especially just like the way it all went down. I feel like knowing and, how unjust much of it was, and how and, there were so many like feathers yeah. on the camel's back. You know, it's, at a certain point, you have to start. In, like I actually started enjoying the season for other aspects, like seeing mm. kids develop, like Emir. Oh Han, yeah. That was, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. That Sergei was definitely Sachi, what right? what, like, what kept me checked in was 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 when the kids finally started getting chances, and especially Emirhan. Uh, he gave, he was a the the light at the end of the tunnel, and that's what gave me hope for the future, and what's giving me hope for this season as well. We have a lot of players departing, like so many players are leaving, including starters. A lot of dead but, weight. But we have, yeah, a lot of that weight too. But we, we, we have a lot to look forward to with our young guard that's up and coming. We have this amazing young player, Emirhan, on the team now that's doing well. We have guys in the pipeline like Simi Kilsoy who looks really exciting. All right, look, um, let's do this. Let's organize this because this is, this is, I think, the fun part of the episode, especially for our listeners. Let's start talking about this upcoming season and specifically the summer and how it all ties in. And let's go position by position because... Like with Aaron, a lot has actually happened since then because it's been like a week and a half. Like for example, I had said at yeah. the time we had no, no prospect for who we were gonna get as a central defender, and like out of nowhere, the news sort of pro- that was like a great move. Honestly, we we have oh, a yeah. guy now. Um, I'll hand hand the mic. Who do we have? Drum roll in the in our pre, like featured role in the in the center of our three man back line. Oh, am I supposed to? Yeah, yeah, you got the drum roll. Oh, just revealing the the new player, right? Yeah. All right, so uh, Moroccan national team captain, Roman Saiz from uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. He's been playing in the the Premier League for the past six years, I believe. Or have Wolves been in the the Premier League for six years? Well, uh, anyway, six years at Wolves. uh, Very highly rated and... uh, 32 years old, so that's you know one of the reasons why we're able to get him. Sure. Um, the only, but, uh, but uh, that's very, the only fault. <laughs> <laughs> but a very good ball-playing defender, uh, which which is overall highly rated for his defensive and leadership abilities, and um, he's going. I, I believe, are Morocco going to the World Cup? I think they are, but I'm not sure. But uh, he, you know, captains the Moroccan national team. And uh, yeah, very exciting to uh, replace Tomagoy Vida with, um, on paper, a very good central defender. And I think Vida had, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Vida's, I think we all are, 
but he did certainly like what it came to build yes. up play. Yes, Morocco's in the business. World Cup. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it, important when, it side to, <laughs> when it came to build up play, like Vida was never the strongest, and yeah. with the football that uh, Valerian Zmelel wants to play with a three-man back line, um, Roman Saiz is used to playing a three-man back line at Wolves, and build up wise, he is very strong. Oh my um, God. Hold on, Khan. This is actually mildly hilarious. So, not only is Roman Saiz going to be in the World Cup for Morocco. Mm -hmm. But it, this is the group, dude. Number one, they'll be playing Croatia and Domagos Vida. So it's Saiz against Vida. Number two, they're playing Belgium. Khan. They're in the group with Belgium and Michi Pachuay. So he'll be defending our former striker. And dude, guess who the other team is? Canada. <laughs> That's like the Besiktas group, dude. Wow, this is really the Besiktas group, yeah. Oh my God. I mean, you know, by the time the World Cup comes around, it won't be anymore. Yeah, we'll, see. we'll see. Yeah. Or the Bacchuay. former, yeah, yeah. Former yeah. and definitely, current. Definitely a group for us that will, will be worth watching. Like, all, yes. all it lacks is uh, Algeria for some uh, Rashid Ghazal magic, but... Uh, they didn't yeah. make it. They didn't make the World Cup. No, exactly, yeah. But uh, yeah, very exciting signing, and I think um, um, Ali Ali Eje mentioned it a few weeks ago. He said, "Well, you know, Fenerbahce have Kiminje and Galatasaray have Marcao, and Trabzonspor have Hugo, uh, Vito Hugo, but Bishtesh need a marquee central defender if they want to compete yeah, for the title." And I think we got our marquee central defender, and the, and the main reason why uh, it feels like everyone's kind of not super excited about it or something is because it was so easy to get him seemingly i know there's just, just no, no it was just drama. So, something up oh, bitch just have a great home size bam and so and for no anyone also this is actually important so the latest news and this just dropped like pre-recording is that he's in fact going to be arriving this coming tuesday on uh july 14th yeah is that right yeah, yeah. that's right it's yeah. the 10th yeah. so july 14th just played his last uh, game with Morocco yesterday and assisted a goal. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's coming on Tuesday, and uh, it's great news. But I think you know, our, it's just, it almost seems like our fans need a little bit of a transfer saga to get really excited. Like they didn't have time to get excited about Roman size because it's already done. Like Vida, you know, we we know Vida's been we we've known Vida was going to leave for a couple of weeks now. Uh, he got his send-off in the last home game, um, being celebrated by the team and the fans. And it's a shame to see him go, but at the same time, um, he's yeah, put in a I, good shift. He's yeah. I think it's. I don't think it's bad for him to leave now because he'll be remembered very fondly, I think, by the fans. Uh, whereas you know, if he would have say, say signed an extension and maybe, I did have the feeling this year that he wasn't playing at the same level he had been playing the previous years and maybe slowly his age was starting to get to him i might be wrong maybe it was just maybe it was just the season we've had mm. the mental aspect of everything and he was just as the rest of the team you know kind of in a mental state where he just couldn't perform at his highest so yeah. maybe i'm wrong there's, maybe there's it's that to it. I think but, you're right. but sometimes it's 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 a good thing to say goodbye and uh and it's an upgrade i mean most on. importantly for us is that it's a major upgrade Saiz is a guy who is well he was a top performer for a premier league side um, um, they were sad to see him go you know online uh, moroccan what? fans are shocked he's not like making an up you know a move, an upward they, move. they most certainly are uh, shocked <laughs> 
<laughs> I think they expected him to get like a, a promotion, uh, and so well maybe not a promotion, but I think they definitely expect like a lateral move or him for, for him to stay in the top. Five. I think the big expectation was uh, Sevilla or Betis uh, for him to go to La Liga, and uh, I think you know especially uh, let's be honest. Like we, it's definitely sort of a coup. I mean, we'll have oh, to yeah. wait and, and see and how it goes and how it pans out. Of course, it's just on paper. But like, he's definitely a player that probably could have done better. Um, and, I mean, dude, truth be yeah. told, like if his major flaw is that he's 32, for a central defender, he could be in his prime for another three years. Like, which is oh yeah, well, more than enough out of a, a free. Sure. He's a free transfer. It's amazing. Definitely, and and uh, you know, financially. Uh, one and a half. To, I've seen two numbers: one and a half million or one point eight million. Uh, so, you know, let's leave it in the middle. Let's say it's anywhere in between one and a half and one one point eight million a year. I think for a marquee central defender, uh, we've been we've been paying well over three million for our marquee central defender for the last four years. So we've basically halved. Uh, that wage for the marquee central defender and arguably he's an upgrade over Domagoj Vida. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a little hard to say that when somebody like Vida has played so well and served your club so well to say that it's outright going to be... Uh, l let's be honest, Like w remember Victor Ruiz, we thought we got a, an amazing central defender and he was definitely good, but he was not... Like he, the best, he, yeah. He was on paper. Uh, he was going to be uh, an upgrade, right? But he ended up not being, uh, and of course, didn't and didn't, uh, didn't leave in the best way either. Uh, but he is a similar profile size with you know ball playing central defender. But uh, yeah, let's hope it pans out. And we got that signing in the bag already. Of course, we already have Getson Fernandez in the bag as well. So we already have two marquee signings for the new season. And and uh, let's not forget Gujufi, right? The, this, yeah, I mean, he's more of an uh, under-19 signing. But. Yeah, but I mean, he's a signing for the future. I don't think we'll be seeing yeah, yeah. that he's much. Not gonna, I mean, he's not going to get you know, a foreign maybe, spot, I doubt. Maybe if he uh, if he impresses Valerian Ismail in the camp, uh, maybe sure. then... Uh, maybe, but I, I don't think so. You know, one of my favorite things about Ismail is that he attended all of those uh, youth matches. You know, he really does seem to be open-minded, so... I think we yeah, have a lot of the great pieces in place right now. I really think it's just a matter of do we get the guys we need, right? Yeah. And so let's keep moving. So look, we got a, a key part of our defense and a key part of this whole system, if we're going to be honest. Uh, and so then the next question is, are we upgrading the sort of Turk? The, the, we need a Turk. Montero and Wellington will, will, will vie mm. for one of those spots. And on the other side, theoretically on the left side now, because Saiz is going to be in the middle, um, so it could still be, the reason I say that is it could still be Abdul Kerim Bantakshi, right? There's still talk of that. Um, but besides that, there's also been mention of a number of other options. Kodai Gunter was one for a while. Um, more recently, there's, who is this guy uh, for Adana Demir? Akaidin, Samet Akaidin, who's like already 28, I don't know. But if he's good, I mean, I just, I don't recall mm -hmm. him standing out personally. I know. Abdul Kerim has, but it's also uh, well, might have like waited too long for that. Listen, li for me, it's if you're like, let's let's talk about this. Let's, let's talk about Ridwan, right? So, Ridwan is more than likely is looking very, very extremely likely now that he's leaving and is going to Eintracht Frankfurt for six and a half million. And right now, I believe they're still negotiating with Frankfurt over the sell-on clause. So Bistich want to include 20% on the next sale. 
I've uh, even heard that we for, might for be looking one. for. Yeah. There was a. Oh, I don't know. Let's not speculate. So, yeah. so, so Ridvan. Let's say Ridvan Lees, right? One of our young, exciting players. He won the championship with us last season, and he was our main left back this season, or left wing back as we moved to a three-four-three. And he thrived in value. And and we're and we're and and now we're selling him for six and a half million. Right, and and Ridwan is 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 a young Turk, highly rated, and we need Turks in the team for the foreign limit, obviously, because you know Turkey, but country. <laughs> um, and we're selling Ridwan for six and a half. And I'm sorry, six and a half million for Ridwan. All right, that's in in the European market. I think that's probably roughly what a Turkish player from the Super League should go for. But then you're seeing. Maybe we can bump it up. We'll see. There's talk of us trying see, to. But then, but then you're seeing, you know, Konya wanting what five million for Abdul Kerim. Come on, man. Cross. No, don't well, waste your. Well, this is what price. we hate. Please, please. This is why we know that this stupid foreign. Oh yeah. Is so yeah, you counterproductive. You linked an article uh, just before the the podcast started of uh, Emre Can Uzunhan or something, whatever yeah. from Istanbul Sport. Did you bother to click it and read it? Because Istanbul Sport apparently wants 10 million euros for this kid. <laughs> like, get the <laughs> fuck out of here, man! Go fuck yourself in the ass. Come on, seriously, uh... fuck off. Like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? Like, we're selling one of the hot, most the hottest prospects in Turkish football for six and a half million. And you're gonna f***ing ask for even remotely that? Like, like Abdul Kerim, Konyaspor, should be asking maximum three million euros for the guy, and even that is too much. And if we're even contemplating paying over 50% of the fee we're getting for Ridvan, then we are insane. I would only Come give on. two million for Abdul, because he's also not young anymore either. No, he's not. He's like 27 or something. Yeah. Like, why do, Why? Why would you pay a premium? No, don't. Don't fucking... Extend, give Serdar Sakchi 300k more a year and extend him. In fact, dude, not only is he 27, he's turning 28, like, right when the yeah. season starts. I mean, let's get... Shall we? <laughs> let's waste our money on this piece of shit. Ah, I've been swearing a lot today. I was like, you give me a lot of work here on the beat. Uh, don't make <laughs> me <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> no, but like, why? No, don't give your fucking hard-earned money to these fucking pieces of shit. Yeah. I mean, no, no, don't give Konyaspor money. Why would you give Konyaspor money? They ended above us this past season. There are our competition this season for European tickets. Don't give them fucking ammunition. Like, don't, don't, like, don't bother. Abdul Kerim is not a special talent. He's almost 28. It's not worth paying a premium for. I'm sorry, I don't give a sh**. Go for someone else. Pay a premium for Koray Gunter if you want. Pay a premium for Khan Ayhan if you want. At least those players are proven in for, European uh, top Cenk competition. Uzkacar, and for Cenk right? the, the new guy team. who just made the national side. He's uh, playing in Lyon, is it? Cenk Uzkacar. Mm. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a young, well, he's not young anymore in the meantime, but like there's a, there's a Turk in, that plays in Switzerland for FC Basel. He has an amazing cross pass. I forget his name. Um, Zeki Amdouni? No, 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 no. It's a, it's a central defender. I forget his oh. name. But I watched him against PSV uh, a year or two ago, live in the stadium, actually. And uh, really, yeah, Kai has an amazing cross pass. Like, why don't we go after someone like that then? 
Like, go after someone in Europe then. Because yeah. for that type of money, 5 million euros, you can buy Khan Ayhan. You can buy Koray Gunter. They're the same age as Abdul Kerim. Yeah. Why waste your money on a guy that's only ever performed for an Anatolian team? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Fuck it. Honestly, Don't, like, and I... And yeah, I, I if, if, if they waste more than 2 million euros on a domestic player, I'm gonna lose my if they sue. If you sell Ridwan for six and a half and you how much you think that guy? Uh, what's his damn name? I can't believe it. the guy who was playing for Liverpool for a minute and flopped, and then he played for another side in England. The, been... the striker? No, the central defender. Uh, he was in his national side for a while, like almost even a starter, but then he sort of. Oh, for Turkey? Yeah. What's his name? I sound tip of my tongue. He's pretty that, uh, young, but. He... I do you say... mean? Do you mean the the? Do you mean uh, Jan? Emre Jan? No. The, the German? Central no. defender. No, he's on the Turkish. He's, he's already played for the national side. He's quite young. He played for Norwich. Uh, and and oh. what's his name? Hold on. I don't know. But like, uh, what's his name? Uh, he played for um, for Kaiser this past season. Uh, you know, the guy from Genshterberli that went to uh, Roma. What's his name again? Um, Ozan Kabak, man. What happened to that guy? Oh, Ozan Kabak from Galatasaray. Okay. Oh, right. he went back At this to point, Chicago. I feel like he's probably played himself out of. He went back to England. Schalke, right? Yeah, you know? I, I bet. You know, guys like that, you could probably. If you're going mean, to spend you know, a little more, you could probably <laughs> go for something a little higher pedigree than. Abu well, I mean, he's a Galatasaray Academy product, you know. Do you really want to. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that whole. No, but like, yeah, no, but there there are other options out there. And I, I feel like a guy like Abdul Kerim, it's like, oh, you know what? Let's call him up to the national team. He doesn't play, but who gives? Let's call him up to the national team. So he costs a premium. Um, no, don't. They just stay did that with Thiago stay, stay away. From Abdul Kerim Bardakchi, please. He is not worth that type of money. He just isn't. I'm not saying he's a player. I know. I I, I would say if, if, if they'll take money. two million, fine. That's it. That's my final offer. <laughs> two two and a half, maybe. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, two and a half. But like, you know, I think you know, if you're getting six and a half for Ridwan and you, let's use that six and a half million replace Ridwan. You know, uh, somebody who's being mentioned is is Kazimjan from Altai. Uh, okay, that's a young player. You can invest in Karatash. Uh, yeah. Supposedly they want two million for him, and yeah. we're negotiating that down. So it's but weird that, that we would. But that at least that is realistic. That is, that is not this Turkish mentality of oh the foreign limits coming. Let's with a with a Mehmet Topus nine million and and Ozan Tufan seven million and. Uh, all these bull prices come on. Oh, that's not realistic. That's not the market value of Turkish players. And you know, Does like it... Onur Bulut, like all these names that people are looking to, they're, they're going to be way out of our price range because of what they're going to ask for. Or like, you know. And so it actually stunts their development, right? Because the only chance, like Abdul Kerim Badakshi, he's a guy who should have either gone to a bigger club like two or three years ago or gone to Europe. Because, but because he doesn't have a big enough profile with Konya to go to Europe. Three but years because ago, none of our big clubs can afford anything because of our debt, he's kind but, of been stuck at a middle. I mean, credit that's, to Konya. That's they one of the reasons why I'm I'm not in favor because three years ago Abdul Kerim wasn't even on anyone's radar. He was like 24 years old and and he was nowhere in his career. Like he only, I feel like he only really established himself the past two years. 
He's yeah, almost I twenty. Maybe it was more like two years ago. That, yeah. I mean, I might, I might be, you know, with with Corona and everything. You know, everything kind of got messed up. Kind of I am, yeah. but I, you know, like, like I've always like everyone's been kind of uh, touting He's him been on his, yeah, for a while, and uh, for me, it's always been like this guy's already in his mid twenties. Like, why would you? Like it's true. So, it is. A, it's, a, it's a bad. Like you don't. Like, a, a project should be. 21 like maybe even 19 uh, you know like, obviously you know? <laughs> obviously some players peak late and that doesn't mean like actually a player that peaks late is probably better than a player that peaks early because otherwise you can have a, an, an instance of a player that's already done at 28 29 and well and you know honestly you could probably even make the argument that we saw enough development in Serdar Saji that we should at least be open-minded to the possibility that he comes into training camp or performs well in training camp enough that he merits a little uh, more look, time. I mean, the problem, we sign him, right? That's the problem with Serdar is that he has a very bad agent. <laughs> and I mean bad in the sense of he's a very difficult agent to work with. Fenerbahce have already kicked him out of their club, I believe. Because he um, he's also, I believe, he's Mary Demiral's agent. And he's... Uh, one of the reasons why they lost Mary, and as, if you remember, Mary went oh, first to Sporting, of course, but then to Alanya. And this guy, he basically stalls everyone at Alanya. So he's Ahmed Gulay's, uh, Ahmed Gulay's agent. Now he's Serdar's agent. He's he's a he's a dangerous person. I, I feel like a dangerous person for us as a club, right? Like for these players, maybe not so much. Like for Mary, it worked out. Although for his other clients, so far, I mean, if if your dream is to play for Alanya Sport, then sure. But you know, <laughs> I think these kids like a guy actually. Like, let's quickly asterisk that because you mentioned Ahmed Goulay, and that's actually he's in the news again hmm. uh, as someone who can be recalled. He is. Remember, if you all remember, he's on a two-year loan. He's in the second year of that now. So we can theoretically recall him as our backup for Umut Medash. I guess the question is, do you want to go for someone who you know could theoretically challenge Umut Medash for that spot, right? And so I think that's where like cousin John Karatash I mean, gives you know, you a little more hope uh, in that regard. Or, this is this is another one of those things like, you know, when people are talking about youth players, you always need to take stuff with a major pinch of salt. Like remember back in the day, uh, Ricardo Quaresma and Cristiano Ronaldo Quaresma was seen as the bigger talent. Um, and when uh, two years ago, when Ahmed Goulay went to Alanya Spor, he was actually being touted as the bigger talent than Ridwan. Um, well, but, also, but, but put a feather in that, because supposedly the main reason we are maybe not going to recall him is that Alanya has basically decided that he's a starter for them going into the season. So you can make the argument maybe you want him playing there right I mean, just to see what he's got. Is he really? Because he played five games in the Super League this past season. Yeah, I know. That's That was I the mean, question at, mark. At, but at, at, at supposedly, supposedly that's what I just saw as a, as a rumor. Is like that. That's our hesitation. Supposedly they have him slotted right now, I, and obviously a lot can happen. They could, they could bring back Insakala, <laughs> for mm. example. And who knows, right? Something, something can change. I have question marks when it comes to Ahmed Gulai because he has gotten so little playing time at Alanya, so I don't really, I don't really know what was the point of stalling him at Alanya when he barely got minutes. Here's uh, my. Um, thing about left wing back. I know it's something of a controversial opinion. I 
I don't have a problem with Umut Merash being slotted in as the starter. Oh, no, of course not. But the pro the only issue I have with Umut Merash is I think he, when he played, he was always good for us. But I, I have the sense that he has been injured a lot this yeah, season. Yeah, he's injured. So, so yeah. he, he kind of he kind of need depth. Yeah, strikes depth. me as uh, he took that number seventy-seven from Gukhan, and he also took his uh, his injury woes. It seems. Uh -uh. Um, so I don't know. Uh, we definitely need another player able to play there. But look, yeah. if you're playing a three-four-three, three, you don't need to have a left back. You can have a left midfielder that's yeah. with with yeah. decent defensive capabilities. Of course, then the question is, is there a Turkish left midfielder able of playing that position? Uh, our fans got really excited about Tayfur uh, Bingul um, because he played a good game against us for Alanya this season, but he's, he's like 29 as well. There's also talk of this Eski Helac guy, the number of uh, the big clubs are supposedly looking at him mm -hmm. now. Because um, he, he's on Yeni Malatya, right? So he's going to be wanting... Yeah, but he's he's he's... Mustafa Eskelaj, right? But I think, he, so. I think he's like a, I think he's an attacking midfielder, isn't he? And he's like uh, he's like he's like 29 or 20. I know it's another one of those names that I don't like because it's like why are we doing that? Let's get a. I mean, uh, I'm actually you know. more interested in the like the Andrejka rumor, which is supposedly mm. like we've been on the brink of him already being signed. Well, for like two weeks. Supposedly, yeah, there's an agreement in place there. But we are awaiting to see what happens with the football federation, who becomes the new president, and what's going to happen with the, Ooh, the, the with the foreign limit. And apparently, a lot of clubs are kind of holding their breath right now. And there does seem to be a certain of expectation of of things changing with the new uh, TFF president because uh, Atiba Atiba's contract is still kind of up in the air. Because yeah. he, of course, you know, he's been going on a one-year extension every year for the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, and we talked about that last week, right? Like, mm. I think all of us want him re-signed, but all, uh, I think yeah. we also have to recognize, realistically, like, it might not be the smartest move, even yeah, though it's the, I mean, it is the right one. <laughs> you already have Getson now, you have uh, Joseph, of course. So, centrally... Kaido Yilmaz coming back. Supposedly he's ready to go. Yeah, but you have to, like... If you have a limited amount of foreign spots, you have to look at every position in the team and how many foreigners can you realistically slot in in the same role. Like then, if with Atiba you'd have three midfielders, central midfielders, defensive midfielders, whatever, who are foreigners, right? So yeah, yeah. And another point for you to add to this, or for me to throw like a monkey in wrench, no wrench, and whatever it is. Um, is that Andreska will theoretically in training camp be competing with, and this is already confirmed, both Aydin Hasic and, and this is a wild card that folks may have forgotten about, Tyler Boyd. Uh, he's mm. supposedly going to be given a fair shake by Vilan mm. Ismail. So I mean, I mean uh, Tyler Boyd is someone that could um, that could play as a wing back and do so because remember like his work rate is uh, he's uh, i was gonna say he has yeah. that american like fitness you know what i mean <laughs> he's mm. got that fitness kick in his in his jeans that new zealander fitness that's but, right yeah, yeah sure. i think really... i think a guy like boyd could definitely um he might impress have, him with his have, work have, have, he is like this is another victim of the foreign limit like i think tyler boyd is someone that if there wasn't a stupid foreign limit we'd always keep on the team like may okay maybe he's not necessarily what you want out of a starter but look at Kenan and you guys talked about this last week as well 
how Kenan actually impressed as a right wing back and that we seemingly found something he was good at. After all. <laughs> and uh, that's the same. I, I could see Tyler Dude, Boyd being very good. He scored good wing as back. many goals as a right wing back as he did as a striker. <laughs> <laughs> One, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, yeah, Tyler Boyd is definitely someone if, if they say, okay, f this one them and throw it out the window and they just keep it at the. You know what that used to be. You know, fourteen foreigners in your squad. And yeah, they brought it back the to fourteen. Want them, yeah. Then total. You know that would. If you sell Ridvan and they go back to something like that, then I have no problem with it. But if you sell Ridvan and they fuck you with a foreign limit, and then you're forced to spend that hard-earned money on a really good young player, and you're forced to spend that on mediocre Turks. I'm gonna be with it. Yeah. And that's something, look, with this economy that that's the powers that be have f***ed up, they need to stop butting their noses into football because they've already clubs enough with the economy as the entire country. Now you're gonna start and dictate like, oh, well, you have to overspend on Turks as well on top of that. No, if a Turk is good enough, sure, pay a premium. But Abdul Kerim Bardakci is not worth 5 million euros. No, yeah. no fucking way. There's just yeah. no... It, 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 like... Look, Honestly, I mean, like, if, 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 if it's going to keep going in this direction economically and with the stupid mismanagement where they're making these dumb rules, then it, we're going to have to come to a point, and I think we actually have the right group at the moment, where we just say, screw it, we're going we're gonna, to... Just go to our academy and just do this the right way because we can't afford to keep overpaying. Like well, we're not that, going that, back to that, you know. That's what we I don't want to go back to overpaying sure. for these scrubs. That's what I mean. But that's one of the things I really like right now about Bishitesh yep. is we are going back to the roots of the club. If you go and you you don't know even have to go back that far, but in the 90s and in the 80s, like most of the players or at least a large portion of the players that we had that, that did good for us were Turks that we either scouted and got at an early age. Take Mehmet Özdilek and Oktay Derioglu as an example. Like they weren't academy products, but we got them at like 18, 19 years old. And then of course you have others like Sergen, like Alpay, um, you know, that like Yasin Selun, was, he, was, he was a homegrown. Ya Yasin was homegrown, but you know, he, you know, I'm a fan. Don't he, don't talk about Yasin like that. He had an uncle that was a, a board member, I believe. So um, there's a reason why he. Uh, I remember him in FIFA because he was super fast, you know, and you could always spam the the, the you know well, the speed button with him. He might have been super fast in FIFA, but he was not. Not in real life. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Um, there, you know, <laughs> traditionally have always had a lot of input from the academy and a lot of input from scouting early on and getting young players. Mehmet Özdilek was a player that he was born in Samsun, but at Samsun Sport he wasn't getting a fair shake because he was too small. It's a similar uh, story to, to, to Leo Messi, you know, where he was kind of like, oh, he's too small and blah, 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 but you know, uh, Barcelona obviously saw the light in him and we that same thing with Chifo Mehmet. And, that's what I'm liking about our team right now is that we have so many academy products. Like this past season, we had we had Ersin obviously, Ridwan, Serdar, and then you have Emirhan coming up, 
And then you know, now I have to say also, I think people are generally sleeping too much on Montero as a guy mm. who I flew under many people's radars when we got him. People have been on the fence about him for a lot of his time with us. But at the end of the day, he's still, what, like 21, maybe turning 22 now. And he's actually becoming a reliable, like he's young enough that he could actually have a much higher ceiling than we know. And um, yeah. again, yeah, like that, sure. that's like a young kid that we're facing. I mean, he's almost like our product at this point because he's been with us I for mean, what, two, two years. Two years. I mean, like, but that's, that's kind of what you want, right? You want to get yeah. young, you want to get players young if possible. You want to have um, players getting opportunities. Besiktas needs to be a destination for young players in Turkey that they go to and they think, and they have, like for the past 20 years, Besiktas for young players have has kind of been like, well, you know, there's very few opportunities being given to youth players. And there've been opportunities, you know, like Mehmet Sedef and Fatih Aksoy and, you know, there's been guys getting some opportunity. Of course, Batuhan, but he was a big disappointment. Mohamed, <laughs> Mohamed. but he was a big uh, disappointment. But now, don't say, finally, don't say that in front of Evran. But now, well, you know, Evran can 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 sit on his head. You know, he's a massive disappointment. <laughs> Mohamed Demirci got nothing out of his career. Plays in the third division for Erzincan and finally starts having a decent season. You know, fuck off. He should have been the next uh, big thing in Turkish football. He nowhere near uh, accomplished uh, what he should have gotten out of his career because he was lazy, just like Batuan was lazy. But that's the difference between these young players now. Ersin is a hard worker. Emre Bilgin, you know, is looking promising. Ridvan, they all have the right mentality. Emirhan. Emirhan. Yeah, and now Serdar, we have, yeah, and we have, we have, Serdar is the only one who has a mentality because he's allowing an uh, agent to make him crazy. Like, you're getting actual playtime at Besiktas. Why the f*** would you yeah, not extend and go to, why would you want to go to Alanya Spor? Like, because that's realistically where they're going to put him. Like, where <laughs> so is Serdar going to go right now? That's like, true. I mean, I mean supposedly there's interest from Italy. That's the only thing I'd yeah. really like to sell him if that were true. But. I mean, you know. Um, but like, even that, then, like, what's he go play for Cagliari? Like, is that, that really needs that to get his head out of his and needs to extend and he needs to fire that piece of agent he's got uh, because he does not like that guy does not have the best interest of his player of his client at heart. Like, I don't know what his what his game is. I I, a lot of people just want to have an outside it, it, look, say and stuff. I, I you know? get I get it. If you're an agent and your players are playing at Fenerbahce that you want to get them out of there as fast as possible. I get that because Fenerbahce, they're young. Fenerbahce is not a club that gives opportunities to young players traditionally. Right. Having yeah. said that, Ferdi finally got an opportunity this past season. Then they it have took him long enough and he had to play out of position. Definitely took him long enough. I mean, he, he his, his, his first contract thing expires. He had to be super flexible even he, like to, to it play him, there. It took him until the final season of his contract. And I think he signed a four-year contract. His final season of his contract to finally get a proper opportunity. So it, it took him long enough for sure. But he finally got that chance and now he's a wing back. He's not he, even you know. Has he, he resigned or they he, he he extended, yeah. They threw they threw a lot of money at him and he extended. I wanted to steal that guy. Um and then they, of course they had Arda Güler who had been pro has been promising, but of course, you know, he plays like three hundred minutes and everyone's riding his I want to say how unjust, dude. Emirhan, it's was no. so much more impressive. 
He's looking at like how much more he contributed. Bro, shut up. Let them hype out the moon. So they can so they leave Emihan alone because Emihan Emihan is is fucking 17 years old. He's a special boy. And look, Arda Güler might be a really big talent, but Emihan has lungs. He has the physicality. Arda Güler played 300 minutes and he got injured and he's out for the rest of the season. Let's see if he has a top. Let's see if he has a professional sport athlete's physique. Mentality. No, or even mentality. If he has the body for it, look at Ozan. Ozan had all the talent in the world, but he, he his body just broke down. Let's hope. I think Emirhan... there was some mentality stuff with him. Oh, too, of course, of course. But Emihan, Emihan is already, you know, no, the last brother. the last few games for us. He was he had the most distance covered. Eleven. He was the answer. I, I said it like when when we were because like literally we can't like when when Ismail <laughs> came, we were excited. Like everyone was kind of there's a little uplift, but then we hit a low. And literally the move that just like changed everything was just he, he put Emirhan in and he mm. played full 90 minutes and from then on he literally connected the defense to the attack and just we, we went from having like five chances for like two or three matches to 20 plus mm. for pretty much the last like five or six matches and it was literally the, that was the I mean, 20 that was plus the move. might be a little overstatement but no dude literally it, like, you'd be surprised those last few matches we had like 21 shots granted like yeah, yeah, six of not... them were on target you know but it, dude, still, yeah. like it, 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 it's worth. Twenty-one shots is not, you know, big chances created, right? Like it's no, no, of course thing. not. But, no, but, but yeah, but, but yeah, still, nonetheless, you're going from five to twenty-one, um, like that's our, a shame. our midfield has been an issue the entire season, and Emirhan definitely offered us something there. But that's also kind of, um, you know, like, when I was listening to the podcast last week, and you guys were talking about uh, Getson, and Getson, of course, is 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 a great signing, is a great player, but I'm almost. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost disappointed that we got gets on because I feel like He's it's going to spot, it's yeah. going to take uh, Emirhan is not going to get the amount of minutes that you'd want. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's okay. Realistically, like he should earn that spot, right? Like, well, it's, it's good. The, the, the thing is, Maybe, I, I hopefully, it's the right mentality. Right? You can see from Emirhan from his interviews, from his. From. Like he is—he's still very much a 17-year-old kid, and a 17-year-old kid cannot be expected to perform at a very high level for 40 games in a season. Yeah. Like that's yeah. not realistic. That's not fair. Emirhan needs to have the space to have um, lesser periods to. Not all, yeah, like he needs to have that. He needs to have that freedom. Young players need that. So it's important that Emirhan doesn't get like Emirhan spoke about the pressure and how it he he does struggle with it a little bit. And and then he he also took a lull, and then it was when he got reinserted late in the year that he he really sort of blossomed. Yeah, yeah, no, like. But that's the thing. Like Emirhan, Emirhan needs to have needs to not have the pressure of the world on his shoulders. He does not have to have that weight on him. That he needs to be the the guy in this field. He doesn't need that yet. He still needs to develop for two or three more years, um, and maybe at 19 he'll be. Because I mean, honestly, when I was watching him play, I felt like I was watching a 24, 25 year old mature player. Uh, yeah, in like, the body of a 17 year old. Which was yeah, weird. exactly. So, um, Emir, but Emirhan needs time, uh, even yeah. though he's already really good. 
uh, but he just needs to get time and, and he needs to be allowed to make mistakes and he needs to be allowed to not always be at his A game and he needs to um, get, be, be, be allowed to, to learn from mistakes and to learn from his, from his colleagues. Um, so let's let's hope that he does get enough playing time this coming season. But at the same time, that he doesn't get uh, that, not, that not not too much pressure gets put on him, and he gets to grow gradually. And the same thing is is true for for if like we would get like a uh, Ahmed Gulai back if we are going to um, utilize uh, Semi. And that's also one yeah. of the things why I, I I'm personally happy that we did not we're not extending with Guven is because I don't think Guven I don't think the ceiling on Guven is where you want it to be, uh, and I think we have a young player in the uh, in the youth now that we've been seeing a lot of in the last couple of weeks that has. Well, let's let's do this. This is you know, like we gotta talk striker. That's obviously the big mm. remaining yeah. piece for us to discuss, and this is I think the perfect segue again. So like first of all. It's not entirely finished. Like the latest today is that we're putting in a final offer for Guven Yeltsin, but we're still like, he wants like something like 1.8 million or 2 million, and we yeah. only want to go 1.5 max, which he is doesn't too much. Even, no, that's that's like that's too six, much. That's 600,000 euros too much. Too much. Yeah, it should be under a mil, about maybe a mil max, but yeah, no. Like, yeah. so I say let him go. I would be much more interested in. Uh, first of all, striker number one, which we'll have to talk about. You know, Veghorst is the supposedly the number one option. Sorloth is still in, in, you know, there's still lots of discussion about that. Supposedly we've agreed with him. I don't know if it's legit. Um, Shafak Maladia just mentioned him again um, as someone who we are still in talks with. Um, Jordi Caicedo is out. Basically, I mean, supposedly he wanted five mil. Yeah, she's no, no, Sophia, no, uh, right? Sophia wanted five yeah, mil. Yeah, she's got Sophia, yeah. <clears throat> which is too much fair enough um you know we didn't want to spend what was it six mil for books you know I, don't, I can see why we wouldn't maybe want to spend yeah, five no. mil for Jordi Carcedo that, and like if we can talk it down great you know look whatever. if you if you're gonna spend big money and for Bishtesh five six million is big money then you need to be sure sure thing then yeah. you need to the thing with a guy like Jordi Carcedo, Carcedo is that okay he's had a good season in in Bulgaria uh, he's young enough but is Bulgaria, right? It's not. It's it's. It's, definitely not, a it's not a top five league. Like, <laughs> is he going? Is he? Does he have the technical ability to work in Turkey? Does he have? And if he does, if he doesn't, does he have the physical attributes that you want? Excuse me. So, um, like for example, a guy like uh, Wout Weghorst is not the most talented player technically. But but I think he fits the system fairly perfectly. He he does like profile. You see that goal he just scored for the mm -hmm. Dutch national mm -hmm. team, for example. You can just imagine mm -hmm. Gisal yeah. giving him fifteen of those <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah. no, but that's the thing with with Wickhorst is that he didn't even play a good game for the Netherlands. I mean, the Netherlands as a team didn't play a good game yeah. against well, Wales. He scored the game. But <laughs> but the thing is, the thing with a guy like Wickhorst is he will work his socks off for 90 plus minutes he has a really big frame he's one meter 97 um he's going to score like he's 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 unavoidable like his entire career he's scored everywhere even in england where they where you know the twins label well cartel mentioned oh he's a free we flopped he flopped in england i mean to be fair he played there for half a season he played 20 games scored two and assisted three. That is all not in all, great. it was an eight-goal season, which is not bad, honestly. Like, 
especially at that level. Uh, yeah, he, he did in the first half of the season for Wolfsburg, he scored six yeah. goals. So he was on track at Wolfsburg for having another 10 plus goal season. And it definitely, like, you know, if, if let's say he doubled his numbers, 12 goals would have been his worst season because he's been, he's had like, you know, 16, 17 consistently. Uh, and I think he even had like a 28 goal season in the Netherlands or something. But he's definitely like, Wickhorst is the type of striker that's going to get you 15 to 20 goals realistically um and i think in our system he would fit perfectly and like i think if you sign a guy like that then you know what you're getting for your money with a guy like buxa with a guy like caicedo you don't know buxa is a gamble buxa did well in the mls but it's the mls we've seen plenty of players come from the mls to turkey and not and squander you know, remember that 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 Colombian guy Castillo yeah. that went to Trabzonspor definitely had a couple of great moments, but he never really lived up to what we expected of him, and he went back. Then you had uh, then you have Diego Rossi now at Fenerbahce. You know, really high expectations. Um, Some mediocre results. Didn't do didn't do didn't do bad, but certainly didn't live up to. I think they paid like 10 million euros or I think something. They're already looking to move uh, on too. C- certainly not certainly not worth that type of money. Uh, and then we had, of course, Kyle Lahren, who hit and yeah, miss. Of course he had <laughs> hit or miss. No, he had last season where he scored a lot of goals. But let's be honest, we all know we Kyle Lahren is. What's happening there? You know, what we know what Kyle Lahren is, and that's the MLS level. That that's what you're gonna get from an MLS player. Look, we know kind of what you're gonna get from an MLS player, and I I don't think spending six million on a guy like Buxa is is. Uh, Here's my it. my feeling, and I and, and I actually you have to say sorry. I. I I really, in fact, I want to take this chance to give a shout out to like, whoever, whoever is Jehun Kazanji, whoever, whoever is in charge of this. Mm. I have been thoroughly impressed by the actual, the, the existence of some scouting here. I feel like everyone who I has been oh, yeah, introduced, I have looked at, I've, I've looked at, at uh, highlight reels and like try to get some sense of what they look like even in sort of not highlight reels but and they're, they're all they're intriguing. using a lot of data they're intriguing they're using a lot of data to uh to they're they're i, I believe they've uh they're finally there they've they they have um signed a contract with the data company well, and, and they're and doing Valeria Ismail, he, was, he came in with a lot of tech supposedly right to the training ground so i mean i i love it i love innovation i'm all for it i feel like you can't over rely on numbers but you should also not be blind but, to them um in modern football you're seeing a lot more of this of data scouting you're seeing a lot more that's a trend that's uh like uh Surlot. Is, a, is an example of data scouting because uh, he went to uh, Michelin and they they are known for like they their recruitment is 100% based on database scouting so what they do is they they buy players based purely on data like they don't they they, they I mean maybe they watch them for like one or two games or something but the, but they basically buy players purely based on that um, and uh, Surlot went there, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, before yep, he. Uh, he did. And um, yeah. Anyway. It's a great um, dude. Like just every name that we've had, I've, I've looked into. I thought, you know, I, that, that'll work. I, I could be down for that. And, and like you go through the list from Buxa to to Caicedo to Sorlov to to Jackson Muleka to Veghorst. With Caicedo, with Caicedo, I kind of have my doubts if he's really the profile we want. Because I mean, yeah, he's like 187. But I think what this system needs is a big mother. Like what what you want is a Sirlot, what you want is a Weghorst. Yeah. 
like a 195 big mother frame strong as hell ox up front with the with you know both Surlot and 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 Weghorst are not refined footballers like they are not technically like they are like they're, they're not fancy is, feet <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. yeah exactly like that's not what you're gonna get with yeah. them like i'm not saying they can't pass a meter over five, like they can't pass a ball over five meters or anything like that but like obviously what, what if you get a guy like wakehorse what you're getting is determination fighting spirits and the ability to run into a ball eventually and <laughs> But I mean, obviously, he's more than that. Weghorst is a good finisher, especially with his head, also with his with his feet. He's, like in the box, like I, I kind of liked him to an extent to Mario Gomez. I think Mario Gomez was a much more refined finisher uh, and and much less uh, a workhorse uh, and more uh, a fox in the box poacher type of striker. But Mario Gomez's magic was that you think. He was you you always thought he's kind of rigid he doesn't really have the agility or whatever mm. but then he would always somehow do something that that would like he, kind of go against what you'd expect you know yeah he, he was a natural born goal scorer yeah. and i think that's one of the things you have with wakehost as well i think he's a natural born goal scorer and the the, the reason i would prefer us to fork out money on wakehost over um over Serlot is because Serlot is not yeah, Sulot had one magical ma one magical season in Turkey, but everywhere else he's gone, he struggled to score. Like I think he might have had a good not, year. In like he scores, he scores goals, but he does like with Weghorst, If he plays a full season, you know you're getting 15 goals. With Sirlot, we'll see. You don't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Sirlot, you can feel good. If he comes, I think we'll all feel good. But yeah, I know with, what you with mean. With Sirlot, you might get five goals. You might get 20 goals. You don't know. What you might get 30. What, <laughs> you're, what you're hoping for with Sirlot is him to capture fire in a bottle for the second time. And I don't think if you're looking at the numbers being named, you know, um, Three million. three million a year, three and a half or three million a year, plus like eight or nine million transfer fee. If you're looking at that type of money, then you need to look elsewhere. I think, even though I think so, I think Sirlot would be a good signing, but not for those conditions. If you can get Weghorst for two million or two and a half million a year and eight million fee, then I would always go for him. The problem with Weghorst is that for him, Turkey is a step down, and he and Van. We should probably mention the Van Gaal rumor. Supposedly Louis yeah. Van Gaal said he doesn't want him to come to Turkey. Um, I would argue that like the way he scored that game winner probably cements a spot for him. Not the starting no, goal. No, we all know that that's going no, to... Um, no, 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 because, I mean, look, Memphis Depay is obviously their starter, but then they have their their, their second strike... Also, Luke de Jong. Is Luke de Jong or Weghorst, and that's going to be like, is he... What what is, what is Van Gaal going to do? Is he going to take three strikers to the World Cup? Then Weghorst is probably a shoe-in. But if he is only going to go with two, uh, then I don't know why he would do it. Like but he also, he also called up Vincent Janssen, who's playing in, in Mexico. Uh, it feels like Brobby for Ajax as a young guy that, that, that they, they are all wanting to see mm. those Ajax fans. You know, I, I know them from our Champions League. Mm. Yeah, well, uh, adventure. Like I, I follow a bunch of um, Ajax sporting and 
who was the other side that we had to deal with this Dortmund. year? Dor- uh, Dortmund. Uh, I, I follow a bunch of them now because because like we did a little podcast exchange and all that. So it was but yeah. uh, so. But anyway, Vesos definitely has to fight for his place in the national team. So the thing with that is, um, like he he obviously is the things that are being said is like he's kind of holding out for maybe a move to Ger- back to Germany or staying in England. Now, if I was yeah, him, I would definitely cool. not stay in England. Uh, I've, I've said this in our WhatsApp group as well. I think like if look if he's going to have a suitor from England, it's probably going to be a relegation candidate. And I think what he's not going to score many but, goals. <laughs> but what he needs is a, he needs a stable environment where he's going to have uh, quality around him and where he's going to have the opportunity to score his goals and i think either he needs to go back to germany if i was him my priority would be back to a club like wolfsburg german mid table that would be my priority if i was him if i can't get yeah. that then i'd go to turkey for for a wild adventure and look it's worked out for people in the past ryan babel uh, I was about to say Babel. Right? Babel. He, he stayed with the Dutch side for way too long. Even I mean, though he was the, before Besiktas, he hadn't played for the Dutch national team in like 10 years, since like 2012 yeah. or something or whatever it was. Yeah. So it wasn't 10 years, it was, it was six years. But now, and then suddenly he became uh, their striker for a while when he was at Besiktas because of how good he was doing at the time. Uh, and, and Mario Gomez, of course, we rehabilitated him and he went back to the German national team after Besiktas. So for him, and then of course, you know, there's also examples of uh, Wesley Snyder, who in 2014, while Louis van Gaal was the, the Netherlands' coach at the World Cup, uh, Snyder was at Galatasaray. But one of the things that maybe makes van Gaal say, well, Turkey is maybe not the best option for you, is also because of the state Snyder was in at the time. Do you remember how fat he had gotten and stuff like that? And he really, yep. <laughs> he really leaned down to go to the World Cup because Van Gaal basically told him, "Look, either you, I, either you get in shape or you're not coming." So that really motivated Snyder, and he played an amazing season that uh, that season because of of Van Gaal telling him, "Look." But that's not going to be an issue with Weghorst because Weghorst is uh, like Atiba. He's like he's. Uh, true and true professional lives for his craft will go above and, and beyond because he wasn't like in the best of form with Burnley and to be fair like I don't think they were just they weren't a good team no scoring many goals but like because of that he's gonna be hungry to, to come back with you know, yeah, on fire like, I and think. especially early on and that's also why I think I think one of the advantages we have right now and look uh, Serjan Dikme said that Wekhorst's future will be revealed in the next couple of days. And I think that is accurate because Wekhorst is going to want to find a club as soon as possible. He's going to want to get off. Get a full yeah, because training you have, you have to, He wants to come in to strong. Yeah. The World Cup is in what, November? So yep. he needs to be at his yep. new club relatively quickly. And he needs yeah, he can't wait to like needs, find yeah, his form in no, October. Exactly. He you needs know? to settle in quick and he needs to be in a club where he knows he's going to be central to the project. And that's one of the things right now Valerian Ismail is talking to Weghorst um, personally, trying to convince him to come. Uh, and I think I, I have good hope for this because of that. Because I think... That's actually the, really good news because you know he's a... He's a he's a good talker, Ismail. Well, he knows what to I, say. I, for I think the the important part is that Weghorst knows that he's wanted and that he's going to be central to the project. And I think for Ismail, that striker like Weghorst is essential, and he fits the 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 the, the project. 
And that's yeah. if Ismail can convince him of that, then I think we have a really good shot at 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 getting him for a season at least. And we'll see after that, you know, option to buy whatever. Of course, Fenerbahce are also putting their name in the hat because they always do. They, have to. they always do, you that's know. Just their, that's who they are. They're obsessed with uh, with with our transfer policy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like Trabzonspor so, won the league. So we finished fucking sixth, or what was it? But oh, <laughs> you know, like, they have to. Alone, they have to mess with us. But um, I, I, you know, the advantage we have over Fenerbahce is, I think, that Weghorst for us is much more of a priority. The um, important thing is for Ismail and the club, whoever is negotiating with him and his agent, to convey that message to him that for us, he is an essential part of of the plan for this coming season. Whereas Fenerbahce, I don't think Weghorst is, is that. I think they want a striker, but I don't think the profile of striker is as important for them. Like they are naming lots of different, like Seferovic from Benfica is being named, you know, obviously Weghorst is being named, Surlot, whatever. Like, but Fenerbahce just want a good striker, right? But we want a, t- uh, we want a type like Weghorst in, 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 you know, like specifically that type of a striker. So if, as long as that can be conveyed, I think we have an advantage in that. However, of course, uh, Fenerbahce have the advantage of European football. The question is, how important is that going to be for Weghorst? I think for him, the most important thing will be having a stable season in a team that functions around him. With <coughs> us, he's going to get that. With Fenerbahce, I think there's a lot more question marks. I also, you know, I, we'll, we'll see. Uh, so far, I haven't heard of any interest from Germany in him. Like, I've been, you know, Googling his name, you know, or like searching his name uh, daily and seeing what the, what the rumors are. I've seen some rumors of Club Brugge supposedly interested in him. Uh, of course, PSV have been named. I think PSV would be a good option for him too, by, by the way. Um, like, he definitely fits that mold. Uh, but, the, the, but those rumors definitely aren't heating up. And it all seems to be bishtesh, 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 bishtesh. So I think right now, from what's publicly known, Besiktas are the most serious club for him right now. Of course, you don't know. You don't know who the guy is talking to or his agent is talking to. Maybe some stuff that hasn't been leaked. Maybe there are other uh, interested parties. I would be surprised if there wasn't any serious interest from the Bundesliga. I think it would be a massive coup if we managed to get him. But I think we have a lot of things working in our favor right now. The fact that he is going to want to make a decision soon. The fact that Ismail is really keen on him and is working hard on convincing him. And they have a shared background at Wolfsburg. Uh, They didn't work together, but uh, Ismail was at Wolfsburg. Uh, and you know has been at Wolfsburg for a while he coached the B team he coached the A team for a while um, and then the season after Ismail was coached there um, Weghorst came there so there is a little bit of a connection there yeah I, I think we have a good shot honestly to get him for a season at least and also the fact that he's like supposedly uh, it was being reported by I don't remember if it was Okta Chizgi or Serjan Dikme so either Murat Ozan or, or Serjan was reporting this so <coughs> two of the, the most credible Beshtes sources they were reporting that right now we are offering two, two million he wants two and a half I think that is so much more realistic for what yeah. our budget is 
when you're talking about Solot and you're talking about 3 million a year, I'm sorry. Look, with Weghorst, you know what you're getting. You know you're getting a guaranteed goal, 15 goals a season almost. With Solot, you don't. So why would you... I completely understand why we have shifted from putting our focus on Solot to now putting our focus on Weghorst because financially it makes more sense. And also sportively, I think it makes more sense. He's older than Solot, but he's, 20, he's, he's almost 30. He's turning 30 years old. But that's, you know, we got... We got Mario Gomez when he turned 30 years old, and he could have easily been our striker for the next two to three years. Yeah, we don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, definitely. And that, that's, the thing with, that's the thing with Weghorst right now as well. Like we, we can offer him something, and we have a good track record in in, in with strikers and with getting them uh, back in the in the in the spotlight for their national teams. We have that spotlight. I hope that Jehun Kazanji and whoever is leading the negotiations are hammering that home, are making it clear to him, look, we have a good track record with strikers, we have rehabilitated Mario Gomez for the German national team, and Ryan Babel for the Dutch national team. Like, that is no small feat. Yeah. End of rant. <laughs> no, I mean, it, like I said, like, and I don't want to, to, like, if we end up with Sorlath because Vegors doesn't work out, like I'll be fine. Like I, again, like I'm fine with everything, oh. and you're. I, I think it's fine to say that that's the ideal move. I I hope it works out. I hope it happens fast, and, and I think what's good about all of these options is I think they're all gonna want it to happen as quickly as possible as well, because they're gonna want to come in with like you know come in run, yeah. with their well, feet on the ground. I, what's the I think Sorlath. I think Sirlot is a lot more, a lot more Probably, yeah. keen on money. <laughs> I think Sirlot clearly wants to capitalize on his one season. That that's also one of the things that worries me, because for Sirlot, he made the big move to Germany. He he that didn't work out. Then he moved to Spain. I mean, he's he's had a good, a relatively okay season with Sociedad. Not scoring a lot, but he's definitely you know been useful because of of what he can bring. Um, but it does worry worry me slightly that for him Turkey is that's admitting defeat for him. I mean, obviously he'll still be playing for getting on the national team and stuff like that. But if he goes back to Turkey now, that's it. Like Surlan's not gonna make a big move again after that. Turkey uh, is Turkey or bust for him, and. He's going for the big contracts, and that kind of worries me a little bit. Like he, his main priority. He's already at, he's 26 years old, but he's already at the stage in his career now where it's about getting the big contract. And that's the difference with Weghorst. Weghorst is not about yeah, money. Yeah, he wants to. Yeah, like obviously, you know, elevate obviously, himself. Obviously, he wants to. Obviously, Weghorst wants to get paid what he's worth. But for him, the primary. <clears throat> primary motivator is the national team getting to the World Cup and just you know he's driven he's a lot more I think he's a lot more driven I was gonna than say, so a lot. he probably so even wants know. to play well enough to get another crack at but he might like he probably wants like an Anelka and an scenario you know where where he elevates himself he might, back yeah. into the Premier League yeah and and that's one of the things that worries me about Wakehorst is let's say we we get him and we get an option to buy um, like option to buy does not mean that the player needs to agree yeah. with like he he still needs to agree 
But of course, we had the advantage with Rosia as well. Rosia didn't want to sign a permanent deal initially, but we had an option to buy it with him. And maybe even and he obviously grew to love the club. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. So if we have a good season, Weghorst might be like, this man playing in Turkey in front of these crazy fans in this club. Next, really like, I want to do this in the Champions League. I love League, it here. Maybe. So maybe. Right. I think with Mario Gomez, the, the, the issue was with Mario Gomez, apart from the coup. But I think I even think that if it wasn't for the coup, he wouldn't have stayed. Because I think Mario Gomez... Mario Gomez was... We that was just a magical that was, moment. That was that was the that, that was the nerd in school dating the prom queen. Right? <laughs> yeah, you don't get to do Whereas that. Whereas now long. I think Wickhorst is a much more on our level in terms of uh, he's not so much out of our league as Mario Gomez was out of our league. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the difference between the German national side and the Dutch one, if you will. <laughs> I mean, you know, look look at look at Mario Gomez's career. Yeah, like. He was the big. He was the man that at at Bayern for for years. Yeah. German national like he team, was, dude. Come on, man. That man was like. He, he was World Lewandowski Cups. before Lewandowski, you know. Yeah, yeah, dude. But if you're if you're, if you're featuring for the German national team in the World Cup and the Euro, like you're 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 not. Yeah. To be sneezed yeah. at. <laughs> um. All right, man. I like. I guess I might have to break this up into two episodes. Even maybe I'll. Have to I just put out a big one, it. bro. Just dump just put it. Out a big one. Um, <laughs> dump it. But it was awesome to I have I don't know you. about you. I love I love long podcasts. I, I I don't like a podcast that's only like forty five minutes or an hour because I I want to be able to listen to it throughout the day. You know. Yeah, I hear that. Um, but one more thing, Jink. Uh, oh know, yeah. Well, I, and, and I me- I was gonna mention that. Yeah, I think it's a good insurance move, honestly. You know, well, no matter I, what happens, I, it doesn't. You hurt. know, for me, ideally, we get Weghorst. Which it's gonna be tough, but let's hope. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's hope we get him, not Fenerbahce. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed for that. But I, you know, I if I, you know, if I was him, I would not go to Fenerbahce. But you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. So fingers crossed that we get Mekos as our number one, and then we get Chenk as the insurance policy, so to speak. And then I really hope Semi Kiricsoy gets an opportunity. He's only 16 years old. So obviously that's someone you want to ease in. I wouldn't but, mind Tiago Chukur, except my fear is that because of that call-up, they've just mm. added another like two million. You know what I mean? Like it's no longer just like a, a low-risk move because I bet it's well, gonna be a little the, rich the, for our blood. The thing, the thing with Tiago Chukur is I don't know him as a player, but if you look purely at you know his profile i take him over like, Kuven, right now i'm literally saying profile now i don't even mean the profile of the type of player he is because i have no clue you mean like his height but he <laughs> yeah. is he is a tall motherfucker yeah. yeah and there's not a lot of turkish strikers that are one meter 90 or are bigger yeah you know no i i and, i for uh, me like if it's between him or guven yalcin as that third striker i would take tiago shukur in a heartbeat because it's like over what you, you know what you're getting with Guven and it's probably not good enough and it's probably kind of you know he's shown very slow development well, right with Tiago Chukur we don't know and so it's better Guven, Guven, Guven has certain qualities but I also think we I mean I could be completely wrong because obviously we had Burak Yilmaz and I was gonna say what he, is that late bloomer expl- yeah. and he and he exploded after he uh, left us but and, and maybe the same thing will happen to Guven and for Turkish football I kind of hope so for us personally I hope not because it would be a big regret yeah but or, or not um, maybe like I, like I said we, there's a chance the question you need to ask yourself is do you see Guven is what 23 years old now 
So the question you need to ask yourself is, in two or three years' time, do you realistically see Guvan Yelchin as being Besiktas' number one striker? And being Besiktas' number one striker in a comp- in a championship competitive environment. So not Besiktas completely drop off and play for fifth place. Like Besiktas competing for the title with Guvan Yelchin as their number one striker. Is that something you can see in the future? No. I don't. I mean, I you're can, hoping I he's a late bloomer, and that's like not very I can't likely. Either. And then you have to ask yourself the question: Is he worth the money? No. And the and the answer not, is no. Not one and a you half. You can't. You can't pay a, a guy one and a half million if you don't foresee him ever becoming yeah. number one or a very good backup. Not just like, Cenk, oh, the hope he becomes was, a late bloomer. That's not. That's yeah. not. Viable. With Cenk, it was justified. Cenk was a was the perfect backup to Mario Gomez and then he was also a really good tandem with Abu Bakar he was worth the money he was worth that type of contract and he showed that at Gaziantep before we signed him Guven has not shown anything that makes me think that he's worth more than 1 million a year and I think 1 million a year for him is, is already a lot. You need to keep in mind that he's on less than 400k right now. Yeah. Like, doubling his wage is one thing. And we're making pro- or progress, you know? We've cut a lot of we've cut a lot of salaries we don't need. We're making it like exactly. Roman size, size is an upgrade positionally and an upgrade financially. We don't need, right? We're doing the yeah. right things. No need to go back. We don't need to right? go back. We don't need to have another Mustafa Pektemek contract situation. Oh god. And oh that's what god. Guven and that's what Guven is going to The twins do. love that guy. If you, I don't if like you that sign guy. if you sign a 4-year deal with Guven and you give him one and a half million a year, you're stuck with Guven until the end of that contract. Because nobody in Turkey is going to sign him from the best case is gonna be they loan him like they did with Lens and they pay they pay like cents on the dollar for his contract that you're left paying one million of his one point five million a year. So don't do it. Don't fall down don't go down that rabbit hole again. It's the same like with the whole overpaying for guys like Abdul Kerim. Like don't do it. And if you're not gonna if you're not gonna take the risk on like John Bozdoan, why would you do it for Guven Yeltsin, right? Mm. Like I don't even mind it. I fine, like maybe he didn't earn that. Maybe it's a little they're asking for a little too much. You wanna save that like two million or whatever it is so you can get an even better striker. It's fine. Whatever the logic is fine, but just see that same logic through all the way. Yeah. Extend it to Guven Yeltsin, extend it out as far with, as you can. With Cenk? Like you're saying with Abdul Kerim, but it's actually like, no, like let's just be savvy. With Cenk, if he stays healthy, you know what you're getting. So he's yeah. worth investing again, a certain amount of money in. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you don't, you, with, with Guven, he's, he's just not worth that type of money. Uh, and then we have Semi coming up in the youth, who is... He's a 16-year-old who's been playing the entire season for our under-19s. Um, and he just got for the under-17... He just won us the under-17. won us the under-17 yeah, in the final against Altinordo. Um, with, a, with, a, with a fantastic goal. He scored a fantastic goal. And obviously, you know, he's 16 years old. Like, he can... In, in two or three years' time, he, he might be one of those guys we're talking about... Um, you know, in the same light as we're talking about all those other players that have disappointed and blah, 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 blah. But there's a good, like, if you look at him, like, physically, he looks great for his age. Like, he looks already like a, a mature 21, 22-year-old. 
Um, he's if you watch his games, you know, technically. I just had a thought. Yeah. I just had a thought. Sorry. A lot of those guys who like we thought might be good and didn't quite pan out. Like, I wonder how many of them would have benefited from having a guy like Valerian Ismail, mm. who's actually like coming to watch them yeah. and very focused on oh, yeah. like, trying and, to find and that's places the thing. for them. Semi <laughs> Semi caught Ismail's eye the first match. The first match Ismail went to watch, he said, I don't remember exactly, uh, I think Semi wears number 18. And he said, number 18 is good. And that was Semi. There you go. And that's the thing. I I really think that Semi is going to be in the in, in the training camp this uh, this summer. He's going to go with the team to Austria. And I uh, I have high hopes for, not necessarily that he's going to play off, but like... You know, in the cup and maybe get some appearances, get to smell the first team. Because that's what he needs to do. At 16, 17 years old, yeah. you need to let these players smell the first team. In August... I mean, like Amiran, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Goes. Let them smell the first Stick team. Stick your toes See in. how it goes. Let Exactly. Dip their toes in the water and, and give them some opportunities. And then, you know, the next year when they become 18 or something, then you, you know, get them more involved and gradually move them up. And that's how you develop players. But you need to give them the opportunities. That's why Edson is the player he is today, because he got the opportunity at 18, 19 years old. Same thing with Hidvan. Yeah, and same yeah. thing, yeah, not, and that's what... Or Montero need. even, right? Like, going well, back you know, the... Montero was never our product, but you know, like, I... I, I, I think we Considering where he was when we brought him in, where like, we didn't even know if we wanted to extend his like, plus one on the loan, to where we are now, where it's like, I honestly yeah. want to see him play over Wellington. I'd, I'd like. I mean, know, yeah. I feel like he could really become a regular, but we'll see. You know. Oh, and did you guys mention that? I don't think you did, right? That Wellington was staying another year. I did not, but I thought that was a given. Was that like a yeah. decision? That's the decision yeah, that's come one. out this week. Nice. Yeah, okay. yeah. So no, he had the same plus one as as in. Uh, I don't but... know. I don't know if it's been made official or anything, but uh, it was it was said by I believe Sergeant Dikme that. Uh, Wellington will be at Bishtesh this season. So Wellington will be staying. And I think that makes sense in the, the three-man back line, yeah. you know, that, we, that we're keeping him. Um, but yeah, so I, I want to keep seeing this from Bishtesh in the coming years. I want to see young players get opportunities. And it's obviously it's up to those kids if they can, they can you know, snatch the brass ring, so to speak. Ersin did, Ersin did it, Ridwan did it, Serdar sort of did it, Emirhan is doing it, let's hope Semi is going to do it, let's hope Aftandil is going Maybe to Kartal do it. Maybe Kaira, he's come in with a lot of momentum. Aftal Kaira, let's hope he does, exactly, like, there's a lot of young players in, in, in our academy or that we've had loaned out, like Kartal, that are going to be getting opportunities this season and the next season and the next season. Where, and that is, what position was Berkai Vardar? Right? He, we, we played him as a know. central defender because we like needed to, remember? But I think oh, he's right. actually naturally maybe a defensive maybe a back midfield? or something, but I'm not sure. Like, it would be great if he could be someone who could be sort of brought up under Joseph's wing as the next, if, if that's his role. I, don't, I honestly don't remember. But whatever. Um. Well... You know, there's a guy I really would like uh, to replace uh, Joseph, but um, his price tag is already nine million. So. Uh, Orkun. No, uh, Vinicius Souza. He plays uh, in Belgium. Uh, he, he's a uh, technically property of uh, the City Group, but he plays for Lommel in the second division. But he was on loan at KV Mechelen this past season. 
Um, and Club Brugge is looking at him. Genk is looking at him. Uh, supposedly, Fenerbahce are looking at him. Like I said it, I said it last season in our group, in our WhatsApp group. I said, "Hey, this is the guy I would like us to replace Josef with." It's like it's a f***ing Fenerbahce spy in our group chat or something. Because like the other day, I saw that they're interested in him, and I really hope they don't get him. Because there's Aurelia. Actually... If there's a Fenerbahce spy, it has to be Aurelia. <laughs> there's no way. It's not. <laughs> Yeah, so that Vinicius Souza guy is really good, but I mean, obviously, nine million is uh, a little bit above what we can afford. But you know, Ali Koch can uh, can afford it, so uh, maybe he gets him. Let's hope. I hope not, because uh, I think it would be. Uh, I mean, oh, he is uh, twenty or something or twenty-one. Um, incredibly talented uh, defensive midfielder. Um, yeah, we don't need Fener getting that. No thanks. No, no, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't need them to get actually good players, like uh, players that make sense. You know, not 32-year-old has-beens or 35-year-old uh, Jose Sosas and stuff like that. You know, they can keep signing uh, old guys. Let, let them yeah. keep some old guys. Yeah. Maybe they can bring Ozil back, supposedly, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> fingers, fingers crossed. Let's try it again. <laughs> Run it back. Um, <laughs> All right, it was great to have you on, Con. You gotta go talk to Mark Vilmo. Is that is that a secret? Uh, in two hours, I have an interview scheduled with Mark Wilmots, uh, the former uh, captain of the Belgian national team at the at the 2002 World Cup, and uh, also, of course, the, the coach that uh, led Belgium to the 2014 World Cup. For the first time in 12 years, Belgium was at a major tournament again, and that was uh, thanks to Mark Wilmots. As if you a, can, get him to say, Hi, this is Mark Wilmots, and you're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. <laughs> <laughs> let's start Let's start a crew. Okay, he has nothing know, to do with the club, but why not? the first time I'm ever going to be talking to him in person. I'm going to, yeah. uh, I'm going, you know, we'll Probably see. I'll, I'll try to build up a relationship with him. Hopefully he doesn't uh, nope out on the interview, uh, but it's scheduled for, uh, for one, because he's currently in Morocco. He was coaching uh, Raya Casablanca until... Um, until February, and he got fired in February. But apparently, he's uh, still in, in Morocco. Uh, and I heard from a, a Moroccan colleague that uh, he's apparently staying there until at the end of the school year because his two daughters are going to school ah. there or something. So um, yeah, so he'll probably be returning to Belgium afterwards. But uh, he's a uh, hashtag girl dad. <laughs> <laughs> he's been uh, on some adventures recently because he was he was coaching Iran for a couple of months. Yeah. Um, then of course Raya Casablanca now and then um, he was um, oh where did he I, yeah he's been he's been uh, an interesting coaching career ever since Belgium at least, uh, the Belgium national team but uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be talking to him about in particular the 2002 World Cup as an assignment for uh for one of the Turks. biggest um, magazines in Japan um, they wanted an interview with him because they were, of course, in the opening match in the same group with Japan. Uh, they played mm -hmm. I against that. Japan. And he scored uh, uh, one of the goals of the tournament in that match as well. So, uh, I think I looking forward to that. It'll be the first time uh, talking to Matt Wilmots for me. And uh, definitely uh, a player that... Uh, oh, he was he was an amazing player, man. He was, uh, yeah, he I, was I uh, you know, a, a Weghorst type. Like, not necessarily because Wilmos was a different profile striker. He, he played both as a striker or as a 10. And he also played, on, he could also play on the wing, but like he was a, an attacker that could play in any real position. But, but he was really um, a, 
originally a striker, but he was not like a, a tower like uh, like Weghorst, but he was his nickname in Germany was Das Kampfschwein, which re which literally translates to um, the war pig. Because <laughs> <laughs> awesome. he was known for just going to war, you know, and that's what Weghorst does as well. Like he's he's also war that type pig. of player. The war pig, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's Kampfschwein. Sounds better in uh, in German, but it's uh, like, it's, yeah. it reminds me of something like from the castle of Grayskull. You know, the war pig. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you should do? Uh, just go on YouTube and and just look at at, uh, at look no look up his goals at the 2002 FIFA World Cup. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Also to this date, Belgium's all-time top scorer in the World Cup. Nobody has scored more World Cup goals than Mark Wilmots for Belgium. That's that was my favorite World Cup of all time. Cup. I mean, obviously, yes. as Turks, we all we uh, all enjoyed obviously, it. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? He um, he should have had one more because he scored uh, a header against Brazil that got disallowed, uh, and it should never have gotten disallowed. It should uh, have always you bring that up. Yeah, talk and about that. That was, of course, that's one of the big, big talking points of that world. That's still. 20 years later to this day. It's the 20-year anniversary of the 2002 FIFA World Cup, and that's why I'm doing this interview. Um, but so of course, it's, it's, <laughs> dude, it's one of the big, big moments in Belgium football history in the last uh, 20 years because it's still getting talked about uh, constantly. Peter Pendergaas was the, the Costa Rican referee who um, screwed the Belgians. Bel Brazil ended up winning that World Cup. Oh, I it remember was that. It was nil-nil at the time. Wilmot scored in the 35th minute. It would have been one nil to Belgium. And at that, and if you look back, go look at the the summary of the game. Brazil definitely had their fair share of chances, but Belgium could have could have won so that game. They really could. Have. Brazil really got lucky because, like, remember the Rivaldo against us? Like they they they, they pulled some yep. stunts to get this one. Uh, in my opinion. Belgium and Turkey were the only two teams that truly challenged yeah. the Brazilians, but Belgium was the one that got closest because they had that goal disallowed. If it wasn't for that goal getting disallowed, who knows what would have happened. Turkey might have become world champions because then we wouldn't have faced Brazil in the semi-finals. We might have faced Belgium, might have beaten Belgium, and then we might have gone on to the finals and played Germany. And we, who knows? I think that Turkey team would have been capable of being competitive. A lot of them German were German-borns. They would have had that extra desire too. If you re if you remember the man of the tournament for Germany that season, besides Michael Ballack, was Oliver Kahn. And Michael Ballack was suspended for the final against Ger against Brazil, and Oliver Kahn made a terrible howler. So, you know, Turkey versus Germany in the final without Michael Ballack, who knows? Who knows? But we'll never know, we'll <laughs> never know. But uh, definitely we'll be talking to him about that. So I'm very excited about it. I hope, um, I hope nothing comes up. You never know. I, 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 I've, I, you know, I've tried not to... I've, I, of course, I told you guys, told my friends, but I haven't didn't like, jinx it. publicly told anyone. No, of course, you know, I've, I've done that before. I've, I've had stuff lined up with people and like, you know, said, oh, you know, this is coming up and then it ends up not ha not happening. And it, then you're kind of left holding the uh, 
piñata or whatever, you know? But, like, that's why I try not to, I try not to, um, celebrate too quickly. I had a, I had an interview lined up recently with uh, another man that was big in the 2002 FIFA yeah. World Cup. But, he um, who shall not his, be named. Uh, he who shall not be named had a very steep financial demand, so let's sure. say it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah, never, never meet your heroes, they say. But uh, Matt Wilmot uh, has been extremely accommodating and friendly. I, I, I'm really looking forward to talking to him. And uh, yeah, so um, I'll, I'll be recording the interview. Uh, it's not the intention that I publish it, and it will be in Dutch. But who knows? I'll, I'll ask his permission afterward. The main, I'll be recording the interview mainly notes, for yeah, that yeah. I can, you know, obviously write it out. And you know, so I don't need to be writing while he's talking because that's annoying. I can yeah. just record it and uh, listen to it back again. But also, you know, for my for my for me personally, sure. it's uh, definitely a career highlight to be that's able awesome. to talk to someone uh, like that. No, I mean, good luck, man. And I hope you'll come back and yeah. join us again um, soon. Um, <laughs> it, um, you know, it's getting closer and closer. You know, um, in. In a couple of months, the house will be finished. And once yes. the house is finished, uh, groundbreaking back, ceremony. You know? We'll have to have the mic set up. Well, <laughs> at, follow this guy on Twitter at Razarian, <laughs> at R A Z Z E R I A N. Um, follow us, uh, the podcast, at Eagles underscore podcast. Follow myself at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. Um, follow us on Instagram, Black Eagles Podcast. One word. As always, let's go, go fishing time! We got it. The summer. This is. I mean, you don't even want to get too excited about a transfer window because, like, I feel like we aced it last last time around. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.